We know. We know. We know. We know they know, man. The world knows. Holy freaking smokes, man. I can only imagine how crazy it's been since you've been back to France after winning the world championships like that. It has been crazy indeed because, as you know, uh, we had to leave earlier than planned because we had a fitness expo to attend to in France. And so Leah, uh, the whole team, and myself, we actually uh, had an SBD boost at that uh, fitness expo. And so fresh off the world's victory, we had a lot of people coming to to the SBD booth to celebrate with us. So, man, it, it like I haven't slept for almost 10 days now. I'm completely physically drained, but my emotions are all over the place still. So it's crazy. I, I mean, when I came home, I got sick because I, I've been like so many nights not sleeping, so many nights just like so wound up. It's so hard to come down and like sleep and try. And just coming back to normal life is crazy. I got a normal day job, man. This is not the highs of being at the world championships. I can't describe to people. It's, it's like, um, because when you get to know people over time, it's not just like commentating random people, seeing random moments. You know, these people, you know, their background stories, which we'll get into, you know, like everything that's going into it. You meet their parents, you meet their, their friends, family, like Gavin's mom dad and his siblings like your dad showed up and like we'll get into all that and i got some clips to play and uh from the pre-show to the whole night and you know all these things so when you see this the emotional highs are like so high and the emotional lows it's it's crazy the emotions you feel man the world is like so intense yeah like you just said in every way because this year i won and I had a lot of highs, obviously, but then in 2022, I didn't. And uh, I placed fifth, had a really, really tough meet. And so, you know, like you just said, uh, the highs are extremely high and the lows are extremely low. But, you know, that's the experience I want to live. I don't want to live like, you know, five out of 10 experience. I'd rather live 10 out of 10 or one out of 10, but something that's meaningful. And, uh, and yeah, that was, you know what? I really, really, really wish and hope that some people will listen to that podcast and be like, okay, Worlds probably hits a little different. And then in one year, two years, three years of time, when they're actually there, they're like, oh, shit, Ryan and Vanna were right. That's that's not the same. It's something Gosh. really special. So it, it is not the same, man. And when you know, like, the intensity, too, when you know when it's Eurosport, it's different. People hear yeah, yeah, it's on Eurosport. But when the producers from Eurosport are there... And they're giving you the five seconds, four seconds, three seconds, counting down, and now we're live. And you know, like, okay, eight million people just tuned in right now, and it's it's on like that. Excuse me, I'm gonna be sneezing because I still got some congestion. But um, man, it's wild, man. And knowing like the reach and like they're doing um they're doing like features on Leah and Jess and like doing features on people and um I'm telling them some of the stories. Like the reason why. The producers of Eurosport, I talked to some of them, and they said the reason why they're really leaning in is because of the background stories. And, you know, the people are rallying, like the people have rallied behind you, Penna. People started talking about it when right after you won, you made a post. And in like eight hours, you had close to 50,000 likes and God knows how many views. And it was just like earlier that day you posted it. And people are like, this is, this is like Russell Orhe numbers are bigger. 
you know, this is crazy. And I, I was telling people, I think it was either Matthew or Coco was saying at the qualification meet to go on the world team, when you were done, you, you had to sit there for like, like an hour doing pictures and whatever. There was like a lineup, just people line up. And I've seen it myself at silent worker. This was when you won 2021. Every year gets bigger. Not just you, but powerlifting, period. Every year, powerlifting gets bigger. Sheffield made us level up. Eurosport and what's happening there, we're leveling up. World Games, it got announced. We're go- Every year gets bigger and bigger. That means more people are watching every single year. 2021 was wild. And people don't understand how wild it was that you won that and what that did to you in France. This, Penna, you winning now? Dog, I don't know what's gonna happen when I show up as sh- silent worker, but I, it's <laughs> I'm expected. I know it's gonna be gonna, crazy. Yeah, yeah, but you know it's it's crazy because, like I said on the podcast with you, um, I felt it was my time to win. I felt the, the timing was right. I felt I was ready uh, physically, emotionally, and um, yeah, it's weird, but it almost makes sense that I won. You know what I mean? So uh, in my head, I was like that's that's the moment i have to win like i i don't even even think about 2024 2025 whatever I, I really don't care about that i was really focused on that moment and i was like there are too many things at stake right now for me not to win so i, I just have to win and uh and yeah i, I know uh, like for instance i know you follow mma and the fact that cyril gan actually rose to the really really uh, top of the heavyweight division tremendously helped the sport in france so I know that, you know, being one of the highest profile in France with uh, Leah, Tiff, Coco, and so on and so forth, I know that our placings at Worlds will actually have an influence on the sport in France. And so, you know, it, it just wasn't my victory. Like, obviously, it was my dad's victory, my whole team's victory, but also, in a way, France's victory. So, uh, so yeah, it's, uh, man, honestly, I, I can't even wrap my head around it yet. Um, it's it's still too fresh, but it, it definitely feels good. Definitely feels good. So let's get into it a little bit. I got some clips lined up and, and we'll talk about like the odds, the whole background story and why this is such a phenomenal win. First off, um, on the pre, pre-Worlds podcast, I had a bunch of guests, you were one of them, and you did not plan on doing this. But for all of 2022, you kept quiet on what was going on in your life. You had alluded subtly to some of the things that were happening in your life, but you didn't fully deep into go deep into it, what it was. And 2022 with all of this personal life turmoil happening with your father um, and the incredible stress that was going on. Then on top of that, you, you are getting injured. Some of it linked together. Um, Cause you're talking about how you push yourself in training and you like almost like you, that you, enjoyed pushing yourself it's something that you had control over the training you didn't have control over what was happening with your dad and it was like punishing yourself almost or like i will force the issue on this set even if it wasn't there and like it was and i understand when i look back this is how like like we all do things like this i remember the story of furious pete he's a famous youtuber a friend of mine who had an eating disorder his mom got sick he developed an eating disorder because, and people said, oh, how were those linked? He said, I have no control over what's happening to my my parent, but I could control that. And for some fucking reason, I got hyper-focused on controlling it. To the point where, to my detriment, it's hurting me, but I could control that. 
And it was like, he couldn't under articulate why. And like, we all launch into certain things and you were, you were trying to articulate without fully saying it, you know, um, how training started getting affected leading into the world championships when things were happening with your father. And then you show up at worlds catch COVID and it's just hitting the fan and you grinded out a sensational third attempt squat. That was one of the craziest grinders I've ever seen. And just emptied the tank and laid it all on the line and ended up fifth, which like is at the world. It's not, it's not terrible by any means, but you were the defending world champion. You had a higher hopes come to euros. Same thing happening with your father, same turmoil happening. It does just doesn't flip a switch. It's not life. Wouldn't it be nice? No bomb out at euros, even worse. It, like you bomb out. Don't even get a total now in the redemption meet wasn't there. And then coming into 2023, you all uh, coming. It, it was, it's set up. If this is a movie, the 2023 worlds, when you look at the, after everything that happened to you in 2022 and, and people had no hope or reason that you were like, you, it just kept faltering. And then the, you look at the, the 2023 66s, it was the greatest 66 kilo class the world has ever seen. We had never seen such a stacked division. Three of the nominations ahead of you, you were nominated fourth. Three of them ahead of you, seven, 10 and up. The most stacked, nobody could say anything. If someone's going to say something about 2021, nobody could say anything about 2023. Insane. And everybody's like, Penna at his best is an underdog. Penna now has had all these injuries, all this private life turmoil, no reason to believe. And then you hop on that fucking podcast. And I'm going to play a clip. Let me cue this up. Can you see that, Playboy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 23, it's... Um, and yeah... And uh, <clears throat> so I probably won't see my dad prior to Worlds because he's in Greece and I won't really have a lot of time off uh, to go see him. And so the last thing he told me was, this year you win Worlds. Oh, shit. Yeah. You're like, Dad, you see those nominations? Yeah. <laughs> like, he doesn't like, care, you know. He doesn't <laughs> care. He's like, I don't give a fuck. Yeah. Holy smokes, man. Talk about some motivation. Yeah. And so, you know, um, so prior to him saying that to me, I was like, this year I'm winning worlds, uh, no matter what. And, uh, and yeah, so, uh, he told me that like just the, the day that I left just at the moment that we separated each other. So yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's done, man. It's I'm winning worlds some, this year. That's some crazy motivation, Penna. He yeah. watched you win worlds already, though. That's awesome. Yeah, that's been done. So it, you've you've done a lot already. Yeah, you put yeah. all the pressure in the world on yourself. Um, I mean, it's a lot of motivation and pressure, but just keep that in mind. You've given a lot to him. You've shown him a lot. Like the so you're going in with this, and yeah. um, Josh, 
you could talk about your dad's presence there wasn't also announced ahead of time, but how crazy was that with everything that happened in 2022 and then the severe underdog that you were, you were the sentimental favorite. When your dad out of nowhere said that to you, when I heard you say that, I was like, fuck, I hope he wins. I think everybody said that. He was like, this is too crazy. Yeah. And, and you know, I really enjoyed the fact that uh, right after you're like, yeah, but you you won in 2021. He already saw no, I'm that. trying to soften it. I'm trying yeah, to take yeah, pressure yeah, no, off you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I really, I really like it. But, you know, so just for the record, uh, my dad has never been um, an ultra competitive person, especially not towards me. Like he's never told me anything like, yeah, hey, you have to be the best. You have to be the strongest. You have to be the smartest. He never said anything like that to me. And he always like was really behind me uh, and supporting me, um, never diminishing me or, you know, he always pushed me to do better. That's for sure. But never in that sense, like, hey, you have to win. You have to be the best. You have and so on and so forth. So actually, when he said, like, I want you to promise me that you will win worlds. I was really actually surprised because that's not usual from from him to ask me something like that. Um, so yeah, so just for that record, and you know that that moment when I was in Greece. So now he, he lives in Greece because um, for his health condition he has to stay in Greece, so he won't be back in France where I live. Um, and I really deeply thought at that moment that that was the last time I was going to see him prior to Worlds because his birthday is in some days now, so I'll go back to Greece. So I knew from the get-go that I would be going back to Greece after Worlds. And in my head, I was like, if I'm going back to Greece and I don't have that gold medal around my neck, I won't be able to look at him in the eyes because I made a promise. And, uh, you know, my my friends at the gym, so Rick, um, whenever I I was getting into a tough set, he was shouting, like, you made a promise like a man, You you have to own it. And because obviously he knew because I told him that story and that that resonated me with, with me a lot because my dad never asked me anything of that nature. I don't know if that if I'm the type to say I'm going to win, I'm going to win, but I did it that time. And so I was like, yeah, man, like there's just no other way out. I, I have to win this year. Um, so, yeah, so that was that was special. And just like you said, um, so what happened was my dad made me the surprise to actually come see me uh, compete, see me lift. Um, and uh, that was that was even you, you better. Tell the story about you actually got a heads up. You were like, yeah, that's a fuck. You yeah, found- yeah. <laughs> so it's weird, but uh, I just got a new iPhone. Uh, my fiance, uh, Anissa, uh, logged in her Apple, uh, app, uh, Apple um, account into my phone for whatever reason. And so you sometimes when she gets a text, I get the same text on my own phone. But at that moment, she wasn't with me. She was like really, really far away. She was in the south of France. I was in Paris. And so out of the blue, I get a text saying from my mom saying, hey, uh, you should be looking up for um, Pana's dad's uh, tickets in order to uh, see the competition at Malta. And so when I get that message, I'm like, it's weird because they're mentioning my dad coming to see me compete in Malta. And then like, it took me a moment to realize it. And the thing is, so I I didn't say it at that moment, but I cried. Like when I heard, when I learned that my dad was going to come see me compete, I just teared up like out of the blue for no reason. I just started crying, crying, crying. Um, And that was maybe 10 days ish out. And so, you know, I still had some really, really tough sessions to, to go through. 
And that was the best motivation ever. I wasn't like, oh, I'm just going to go to do my best training sessions uh, and then compete. And I was like, my dad is coming to see me compete. And for the record, I think my dad has been to my meets maybe once or twice throughout my whole career and never internationally. So maybe he saw me compete at one or two French nationals. Like prior, he was sick, obviously. So I'm thinking maybe 2017 when I started out and maybe 2018. And after that, um, occasionally here and there, like salon worker meet event, he would come, uh, say hi and then leave. But he never saw me do a full meet, especially not internationally. So when I, when I learned that, I was like, oh, man, that's Dude. honestly, uh, it, it's, it's dumb to, to think like that. But I was like, it's, it's done for, for my competitors. I'm winning this year. It's it's mine. Nobody else's. And, you know, I don't want to diminish um, my other competitors because, like you said, it was the stackest weight class ever in 66. And I was really against some really, really tough competitors, like athletes that I really respect. And obviously, they have their physical strength and they also have their emotional and psychological strength. So I don't want to say anything like, yeah, I was, I was stronger than them mentally, emotionally, but I felt unbeatable. Like just unbeatable physically and mentally, uh, especially at that moment. So yeah, uh, I had the chance to do my last training sessions, knowing that my dad would come to see me compete, and I was like, if I was on a mission before, <laughs> there's no strong enough words words to describe how I was feeling at that moment. It's it's um, it's so like in if the setup for this. It's yeah. so it wild. Real. It doesn't it do, seem it's real. not real. It Bro, like it, it's this good, is right. It's a, such a rocky moment. Yeah. For for people to be like, like those not only were those gentlemen seven, ten and up, all of them were the world record total and up. Like in terms of we see like this is the best weight class we'd ever seen. I mean, for real. Yeah. There has never been a more stacked 66. This is the greatest division of 66s we've ever seen at the world championships, or period, anywhere. In all of them, the world record total and up, and that's what you were facing. And there was a spread between them. There was those three, a spread, and then you. Yeah. And everybody's like, oh, man. And hey, you're the sentimental favorite. You know, everyone and, hears your story on King of Lifts, and they're like, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, the worst part is that the, the total with which I qualified, so 687.5, six, was my latest meet. Like, And I didn't like send back i didn't go like oh yeah rp7 i was like all in so i found my th third squat so i ended up squatting 240 i did uh, my three benches ended up hitting 167.5 and i did uh i did two deadlifts uh I, I knew my third one wasn't going to happen because of how granny the second one was but I, I went to pull anyway because some people actually traveled like hours to see me compete so i was like you know it's 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 a show like i cannot I cannot be like, oh, no, I'm not pulling because I don't feel like it when people actually drove for hours to see me compete, right? So it wasn't a 687, like, sandbag, um, easy meet. It was, like, my best at that moment. Uh, and so, you know, like you said, for me to hit 687.5 some weeks before against people having hit 710 and up at pretty much the same moment as me and be like, I'm going to win, yeah, that's that doesn't seem like... A, like a good math uh, equation to do, right? Um, 
And yeah, on the preview shows, uh, the, pre the the one that you had and that you did, uh, never nobody saw me winning, obviously. Uh, but I really enjoyed uh, what uh, Eric Helms and uh, Ma uh, McGarry said about me. They were like, Pana, it, it, like I wouldn't be surprised if Pana wins because, like, he can pull it off because of how how he believes in in himself. And um, yeah, like I said. Um, Obviously, my dad wasn't the only reason I believed in myself because I had the same motivation to uh, make something happen for my dad in 2022. And that didn't happen because as strong and as willing as you are emotionally, psychologically, sometimes like the physical world doesn't care. You know what I mean? Um, and so I also knew that I had that that feeling that I was going to win because of everything else that I put up. Because like you said, 2022 has been like the downfall for me, 100%. And that, that like the pinnacle of that was Euros 2022, where I actually bombed out. And I bombed out for two reasons. So not staying upright enough at the beginning of my squat. And uh, I, I got one squat in and one of the ref said it wasn't deep enough. Uh, or two actually. Yeah, two of the refs said it wasn't deep enough. So at that moment, I was like, I just can't go on with that. I just have to look at myself in the mirror, acknowledge my weaknesses, acknowledge where I lack, and put in the work. And what people don't know is I stopped showing my squat for that because I needed some time off for myself. And what people don't know is I actually squatted 220 kilos as a top set for weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks because oh, wow. I just couldn't find my, my rhythm. I just couldn't find my new technique, like staying more upright, having the bar higher in my back. I squatted 220 as a top single for weeks. And it was, and obviously, you know, when, when your squat is like 40 kilos lower than what it used to be, obviously your bench won't be 100%. Obviously your deadlift won't be 100% because yourself, you're not 100%. You're like, I'm just the, a shadow of myself. And, you know, I showed you and we talked about it, like the Mike Tyson clip where he's like, I, I miss the guy that I used to be. I miss the, the competitor I used to be, the, the fighter I used to be. At that moment, I kind of felt like I missed my old self. Um, I missed uh, the banner that was able to squat to 50, that was able to grind out to 60. And that banner wasn't there anymore at that moment. So I had to bring him back, actually. And that took so much time, so much work. And that's the main reason also I was really, really believing in myself. It's because I did the damn work. I, I put in the hours of efforts and that wasn't sexy. That wasn't beautiful. That wasn't nice. It was just me against some raw work. And sometimes I was hitting weights for singles that I, I, I previously was doing triples, quadruples, quintuples with. And that was hard to do. So that was also the reason I was so, so, so uh, sure that I was going to be on top. It's because I'm putting the work. Okay, let me play two clips. Um, we're going to go back to back with these. This is the one of the clips that you were referencing. I'm to Vegas and I'm not betting on, on the winners, but I'm, I'm trying to cash in. And maybe this is just an intervention that I need to have around gambling. Um, but, uh, but, but I think that's, that's the only difference I would say is I, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to say, Hey, we, we should be watching out for Kyoto. Um, because I think he's, he's got something in store for us. If he can put together even a pretty good day, 
I think he'll have a very, very big number. Um, beyond that, man, I wish, I, I know it was a long one, but you got to listen to the podcast episode with Panna because. Thank you, sir. I Yeah, yeah you guys did yeah. great. By the end of it, I'm like, Panna's unbeatable. He he has convinced me that he is going to win everything, always, forever. Um, that he he I think I think Panna is going to have a very good meet, um, and I think he is going to push himself to in a position where he is going to have a shot on gold. Um, so I would be uh, surprised if he isn't on the podium, but I would also be surprised if he tops the podium, even though he has all the heart in the world because he is facing two very stiff competitors who have shown data that they can put up very very big numbers so um i think man i'll tell you what who do i want to win panna how can i not but um who do i think is going to win i think he is a a very tough fight in his hands and I, i'm gonna i'm gonna choose the dark horse and go with kyoto so with that here's pretty much that sets up where and I think that's like, and you see Matt Gary shaking his head and Matt Gary yeah. makes his picks all brain, no heart. You know, he he's, you know, and um, I think everybody wanted you to win. The story was sensational. If you were a writer for Netflix, you couldn't write it better. But in real life, real life doesn't work like that. Real life is brutal. Real life is like, th that guy doesn't win. That guy is, you, you, the, the, the setup for it is like, too many of these guys are ahead of him. Pennant has never in his best day totaled what they totaled. And we haven't seen Pennant's best day in how long. It was crazy the setup that was going to happen. Now, let me play you the clip that you referenced uh, just two seconds ago about the Mike Tyson. Everywhere this Friday. Me and Alexander Napoleon, I know the more. I read the more. I studied the more. I know the art of fight. I know the art of war. That's all I ever studied. That's why I'm so feared. That's why they feared me when I was in the ring. Because that's all my... I was an annihilator. That's all I was born for. And now those days are gone. It's empty. I'm nothing. I'm working on being the art of humbleness. Can you be with me? That's the reason why I'm crying. Because I'm not that person no more. And I miss them. Because sometimes I feel like a bitch. Because I don't want to... I don't want that person to come out because if he comes out, hell is coming with him. And it's not funny at all. Man, Dude, it's, that's, he's so intense. But I, I don't know if people really get what he's saying there. It's absolutely insane. And yeah, it resonated with me so much after Euros. I, you know, I, I, I lost myself uh, after Euros. Um, I have this quote, you know, I really watched Harry Potter like a lot of people, obviously, when I was younger. And, you know, they say that when you kill someone, you, you a part of your soul is, is like teared apart and, and, and it lives somewhere else. And I feel like that after what happened to me at Heroes, a part of me died on that day, like until this day, actually, because that, that success at Worlds doesn't erase everything that happened before. That's that's another page of the book, another chapter, but it's it's still the same book. It's still me. And man, uh, to win, to 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 lose, and and I didn't just lost, like I bombed out. You know, it's it's not I, I got my ass beat by someone who's stronger than me, or I had a bad day and and someone just snuck in. It's I just bombed out, which means I myself 
made the biggest mistake ever. And again, just, just as a reminder, in 2022, my dad was already sick. My dad was always and already going into the, those, those stuff. And I still used him at that moment, not, not, not the right way now looking back, but I was still in that um, state where I just wanted to prove him. I just wanted to show him. I just wanted to fight for him and alongside with him. And to have that bomb out meet at Heroes, man, it destroyed me. Like, I think I mentioned that to you and people maybe don't realize, but a, a month passed and in my head, we were still in December. So we were in January, but in my head, it was still December. So when I asked the date, somebody was like, yeah, January, whatever. And I was like, no, we're still in December. And no, we were not. I just... I just lost myself for, for days and days. I, I just was sitting at home in the dark. Like I was training, obviously, because, you know, you just have to come back stronger. But then when I, when I wasn't training, when I wasn't able to focus directly on something to get me um, further ahead and get me stronger, I was just lost in my thoughts. And like that clip of Mike Tyson resonated, resonates with me so much because like he says, you know, um, he misses his, his old self. He's not the same dude anymore. And I felt like that. I was like, how was I even able to squat 250? Like right now, if I go down with 250, I just, I just like fall apart. Um, and, and yeah. And then, you know, obviously there's that other bit where he's like, and I don't want him to come back because if he comes back, then you no know, hell is coming with him. And, uh, I had that switch at some point. And it was after my qualifier meet for Worlds. Up until that moment, that qualifier meet, I didn't feel like my old self. Right after that, though, I was like, I'm back. And I have, I think I had maybe, I don't want to say something dumb, but maybe eight to 12 weeks. Can't remember exactly the number of weeks. But I had eight to 12 weeks to prepare for Worlds. And I was like, it's on. And yeah, obviously, after that, I went to Greece, saw my dad. Um, that, that wasn't supposed to happen because my dad uh, left for Greece uh, unexpectedly. So it wasn't something planned. Uh, he was just supposed to go visit some family. And then he stayed there. And then out of the blue, he sends me a message and tells me, I'm not going back. I'm not coming back to France. And, uh, and yeah, at some point I was like, I have to go see him. And, and yeah, everything then um, happened I feel like for a reason. So I first started feeling better in training, feeling like my old self back. And then my dad went in Greece and I was like, I have to go see him. I cannot stay too long without seeing him. So I went to see him. And so what people don't know is my dad lost 30 something kilos within three months, four months. So something kilos in pounds, I think it's probably close to 70 pounds. Right. Five, close to that within some months. And so when I saw him, when I went back to Greece, I didn't recognize him because of how different he was looking. And, um, and yeah, that, that weirdly enough, that gave me strength. That gave me strength because I saw him like that. And I was like, yeah, man, you, you, cannot, you cannot bitch about not being able to squat 250 after seeing that. And, um, and yeah, I turned all of that uh, sadness um, and maybe what I was probably was angriness at the situation. Um, I turned all of that into development. 
I was like, I have to be more calm. I have to take a step back and I have to just live every moment that I have. Um, and yeah, that's, that's how I bounced back and I found my old self. And I was like, and when I knew I had my old, my old self at a given moment, I was like, yeah, I'm back. And that, at that moment is where I felt unbeatable. I was like, maybe, yeah, if, if I'm the banner from the qualifier meets, yeah, I'm probably beatable. And after that, I was like, with everything, man, impossible for me to lose at that moment. So listen, it is so wild because, you know, we had this conversation on previous podcasts where I'd mentioned, you know, you talked about how, wouldn't it be so cool to be the Mike Tyson of your division, to be the Russell or here, Taylor Atwood, who just runs through everybody. And it's a reign of terror. People are afraid when you, they see your name on the nominations, like, yeah, yeah, you know, it's coming. But I remember telling you that story isn't nearly as inspirational as as the story that you have as you being the underdog. And I remember this is this is two years ago, Penna. This is before like we've had a lot of conversations. I don't even know which podcast it was, but it's before any of this just happened. And I remember telling you, like, trust me when it's all said and done, your story is going to be more impactful. You'll be glad that you because you can't have both. And um at least not at the same time. And listening to you now, your 2022, you were supposed to, I remember going into the internal class to get the pullout. And that was, they labeled that IPF showed team France with Leah who missed weight. You who, who came in fifth, lost your title and injuries and COVID and all the personal problems. And it was redemption. It was, it was France's redemption. And this is the IPF. The IPF went out and got a graphic designer to make this poster for you. And everybody's everybody's waiting for this redemption and had to pull out of Arnold. Bomb out of Euros. Like it never came and you're like, this, this is getting worse and worse. But if it didn't happen like that and you didn't leave a piece of yourself back at Euros, it wasn't that drastic. It wouldn't have been the dramatic when you come on here all of a sudden before Worlds and be like, you guys don't understand. I'm destined to win. When people don't, they're like, I don't get it. How can you be this confident? And people, you were, listen, people talk like this, man. People talk like this all the time. You were so, it, it was like Muhammad Ali who like was like, trust me. It's like God came down himself and said, you're going to win this or the universe or whatever. Like it was fate. It was destined. And people listen to podcasts. And when I talked to them in hotel lobbies, I remember, I forget who it was. I was talking to some like Jared's or something like that. They were like, man, it freaking feels like it's destiny. This guy's going to win though. There's something weird. And even Eric pointed to, you listen to that podcast and you think like, like it's the most convincing podcast you ever heard. Everything in there. It, it's so wild that you felt that way. But Three to four months earlier, you literally felt like a piece of you died. And you were, you literally felt like, how was I ever that guy who was winning world titles? How was I ever that guy? I don't even know who that guy is. How do I even bring him back? I feel like I'm a different person right now. And what makes your story better, Penna? People are going to hear this and they are in that point. And they, they are taking losses. And they're like, I don't know if I'm ever going to be back. And that's why your story where you're like, I, what is it? sickness, family illness, losses here, whatever it is. 
had it all in question, and I turned that corner. That's why, Penna. And then when you, when nobody else has a reason to believe, nobody else, your your friends and everybody, be like, Fuck, I want him to win, but uh, this just seems like. And then when you told me your dad, who's sick, and lost thirty kilos the whole nine, you haven't seen him. He's moved to Greece, and he's telling you, you're gonna win this year. And I'm like, my knee jerk reaction because I love you is yeah. please don't put that pressure on him, dad. Sick yeah. father who's lost all this. Oh my god! In my immediate knee jerk reaction as your friend, I'm afraid. I'm yeah. afraid. And I want to, you heard it in the clip. I want to lighten it on you. I want to lighten the load and be like, I don't want my friend to deal with this. I, because it would break my heart if you go out there, pour all out there and you don't win. And some freaking how you're still like, we're going to win though. Don't worry. It's, it's remarkable. I I can't tell you how special a story that is. (laughs) You know know what? I honestly truly believe that if 2022 didn't happen that way to me, like you said, everything. So um, me not handling correctly my training prior to Worlds, so injuring myself and then COVID and then I have my redemption meet at the Arnold. And actually one of my goals at the Arnold was to do like to break the world record total in order to get a wildcat for Sheffield and have that meet with Leah, who also had something happening to her at Worlds. So it was like the perfect picture. Like you said, the IPF did a poster and so on. And then I don't compete, um, have to pull off. And then Euros... Like if all of that didn't happen like that hard, because people don't realize it's not that I had one bad meet. It's had one horrible meet where I was one of the favorites to win. I was the defending world champion. I I wanted to defend my title. Then I have my redemption meet. I cannot even compete because I injured myself. And then I have my final meet of the year where I'm like, okay, I'm ending 2022 on a high note. And then I just bomb out. If I, if I didn't have that scenario, which is like the worst scenario possible, when my dad told me, you're going to win Worlds this year, I would have made some really, really bad calls. But at that moment, I wasn't the same anymore. Um, I was way more calm, way more cooler, way more confident. And so when he told me that, I was like in my head, I just nodded in my head, obviously, because physically I just cried. But in my head, I was like, Sounds good. Let's do this. And um, and yeah, I, I just I did. I definitely didn't feel pressured in any way because, like I told you, my dad has never been like that. I just more was more so. He'd want me to win, and I believe that for him to see me win would relieve a lot of his uh, anxiety, maybe. Because I don't want to go into too many details because I don't want that podcast to take a, a, a dark turn. But um, they said multiple times to my dad, you're going to die. Um, and, you know, obviously nobody never told me you're going to die. So I cannot. I can only assume. But I'm assuming when someone is telling you you're going to die, you make just like a, a summary of your life. And um, my dad actually sent me a really, really long message uh, because... He cannot talk anymore, um, saying um, the, the the biggest achievement that I, I've accomplished in my life is you and your brother. Yes. And yeah, and my dad has accomplished a lot of extremely difficult things 
Um, and for him to say something like that, I was like, yeah, he's, he's really proud of me. And I know that because he tells me and he shows me that he's proud. But I was like, I want to give him the best reason to, to be that proud of me. And, um, and yeah, when, so when he said me that I had that background in my head and I was like, yeah, that it has to happen. It wasn't, oh, what if uh, I have to, I was like, okay, it will happen. I'll make it happen. And I really just was really calm and collected um, about it when he said, said me that. And it was just pure energy, pure emotions, pure fuel. And it definitely didn't feel as any kind of pressure. So, you know, like you say, uh, I really was appreciative of, of what you were doing at that moment, like trying to get uh, some of that stress off of me. But I really wasn't that stressed because obviously I knew, like, let's say I, I do the fight of my life and somebody beats me. I know there's not a single universe where my dad is like mad at me or disappointed or whatever. He would just hug me the same way he hugged me after I won and told me I love you, son, and that he's proud of me. Just that, you know, I'm not the world champion if someone is just stronger than me. Um, but in my head, I was like, on that day, nobody will be stronger than me. Whatever happens, I will be the strongest on that day. And that's the reason of 2022. So like you say, um, at some point, I wanted to be a Russell Horry. I wanted to be a Taylor Atwood. I wanted to be a Leah Bavwell. I wanted to be like that guy who just runs through his weight class and everybody's like, oh, shit. I'm not that guy and I'm okay with that. And um, I'm just the uh, diehard. Um, whatever happens, until that last deadlift isn't done, you're not safe. And um, whatever I I leave, whatever I go through, I'll always find a way to swing back. And like Mike Tyson said, um, when I find my when I found my old self, I knew that hell was coming with him. And I was just ready to uh, tackle worlds at that moment. Dude, um, first off, with everything you said, in terms like your father being told multiple times that he was going to die, him leaving Greece or leaving for Greece, and you thought it was going to be a little while, and then getting a message, I'm not coming back, and um, you thinking, I'm not going to see my father until after worlds, and he's never watch you compete internationally and then you get a message saying and the and you have nobody is picking you outside of a sentimental favorite and you are a heavy sentimental favorite everyone it's almost like they want to will you to win and then you get the message and he's like i'm coming and then you hop on a podcast and you say i'm gonna win this it's like you're sure you're going to win this and your father shows up and I got you. Yeah. He's going to love you no matter what, but he tells you, you are my proudest accomplishment. And you're thinking, I am going to show you what pride really is. It's so crazy. And uh, in terms of, I'm telling you right now, in terms of like belief, sometimes we look for belief. We look, we, when you're lost, what do you do? You look for signs. When you're when if you're lost anywhere, if you're lost in life, you look for science, man. And uh, if there's moments like this where like you just look for like you, I think we all want it. We all want to believe in something. In at the when I stay up at those hotel lobby conversations, things like this is where it's like, 
dog, this is this is crazy. It was like destiny, man. Like for real destiny. Like the, the story was nuts. And then there was no reason to believe. It, it had to be. There's no reason to believe. That's where that blind faith comes in. That's what makes it special. And then it's like your dad's there the whole night and then it all happens. It was crazy, man. It makes you, it makes you reevaluate everything. When people start are, are in bad places. It's like, well, you need stories like this. I got a clip I'm going to play too, but do you want to see the clip, sir? Yeah, yeah, let's go. All right. Thank you. Here we are. Titles <laughs> Quand je dis que j'étais en mission, je voulais pas en parler. Fucking, I watch it, I still get emotional, man. I can't believe, like, it's a, it's amazing, dude. It's freaking an amazing situation. I saw that video like maybe ten times within the last two days because you know, with my camera guy and YouTube editor, we, you know, we we do back and forth. And every time I look at that clip, man, I just, I just tear up because, um, you know, just, just seeing him like that, uh, seeing him that happy, that proud, um, it's, it's almost as if I didn't win and because I offered him this victory, like the most complete sense, just like the emotions, um, it was for him, uh, not for me. Um, and so, yeah, so, uh, that, that, for anyone that listening, for any, I just want to say for anyone listening because they didn't see it. Yeah, Penny is on the ground in the back, and and maybe tell me what it was like when when you um. Let's talk about this for a second here. We'll we'll double back a second. So you end up winning, and Brian Lee misses, and I think it was Brian Lee was the last one to pull. Was he not? Yeah, yeah. And I remember the place explodes. Like the French team in the audience explodes. And I remember saying, like, listen to me, they are not celebrating Brian Lee missing. They're celebrating Penna winning. And like anybody who knows your story knows that. But people watching, whatever might not. So I was sure. And in the back, it showed you on the warm-up room floor. When you got back there, first off, walk me through it. Walk me through first off. Should we talk about the full day? Yeah, yeah, let's go, man. The bench. Let's go. Let's go. We know how it ends. And yeah. uh, we just showed a clip for anyone listening. We'll catch you up on if you didn't see what the clip is. We'll tell you how it ends. Um, so it's like one of those movies where you see the beginning and then you're like, let me tell you. Yeah, yeah, let yeah. yeah. How I got so here. I ended up here. So when you're in the warm-up room about to go. Yeah. How 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 are the tensions when it's you and the other big three? You, Brian Lee, Kasim Sand, and Kyoto. You know, I was really confident, like I told you. Um, and I was just, 
you know, um, sending some looks here and there. So Brian was really far off of me, but Kyoda was like on the rack right next to me. So, you know, from time to time, I was, I was just looking at his direction and, you know, trying to, um, trying to set some fire. You know what I mean? Uh, some um, um, confrontation uh, between him and myself. And uh, at some point on my last training day, uh, I, I was just casually benching. And so Bran comes up and Kyoda comes up. And uh, so, you know, it's two out of the, out of the three. And I was uh, putting on my wrist straps for my top set, which was quite a, a heavy bench at that moment. And at some point I just smiled. And I smiled because I was excited and happy to be here. And more so I was like, you know, obviously I have, again, like I said, I have a, a, sh a shit ton of respect for both of them and in general for all of my competitors because to make it at that level, you're strong. And, um, and but, but nonetheless, I was like, let me show you something. So when they were there, I knew obviously that they were going to watch my, my bench because it was my top set and everything. And I was like smiling because in my head, I was like, okay, it's happening. It's real. It's in two days. And let me show you something. And so my camera guy, uh, you know, he's, he's, a, he's a friend of mine. He's, he's not my camera guy. He's my friend. He's my dude. And he tells me, Pana, I never seen you do anything like that prior to a, a, a top set, prior to a heavy, heavy set, because I just smiled. And, you know, I, I knew that I, I smiled because that's how I felt. And, I, and I, you know, I played the, the dumb. I was like, yeah, what are you talking about? He said, I, I saw you smile before your top set. And, and then he shows me the video. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I, I smiled because I'm just too excited to be here. So, yeah, so, you know, I had that little game where I, I wanted um, for them to feel my energy. Like I was in there to win. I was in there to beat them. Um, and so, yeah, that, that was kind of, of the play we had. And so, you know, for squats, warm-ups uh, went well. Um, I, I had, Let me ask uh, you this. Let me ask you one question before you move into that, sorry. Did you feel like, like as confident as you are, and everyone's talking about your podcast, it was very impressionable, okay? <laughs> very impressionable. But do you feel like they thought you thought of you as one of the, because the big three were seven, 10 and up. Your, be, your best was seven. Do you feel like they thought you were amongst them? Or do you feel like some of them might have been looking past you and only looking at each other? No, I've, I've, uh, I think I feel and I think that they knew. They knew. Yeah, I you think they got the vibe. Something's they, coming. Yeah, I'm hundred percent positive they knew I was there to win. Um, and if they didn't, here is a little surprise. But uh, yeah, I, I definitely feel like it. Uh, I, I felt. I felt like. You know, obviously an objective underdog, but subjectively I was feeling like the heavy favorite. So, uh, yeah, in my head, th they knew. Um, in my head, they knew. Uh, maybe one of them will say I was surprised, whatever. But in my head, they knew. Um, and, uh, and yeah, and then uh, so for openers, we put up numbers uh, that were coherent to my 687.5 total. So I think it was, you know, it was just token openers. So I think we, we, we said 220 on squats for openers, 160 on bench and 260 on dead, something like that. So something that's, you know, coherent when you compare to what I did at my last meet, because I wanted to be like, you know, I'm just going to casually hit 680, don't mind me. Um, and then 
And then obviously I took my, my warmups and we moved up the opener to 235 on squats, um, which was just five, five kilos below what I ended up squatting at my qualifier meet um, from 10, we 10 weeks ish ago. So we took 235 and then from there, um, so when I said I was ready, you cannot understand what I mean by that. I knew that we had the prime time with Eurosport. So I knew we were only going to be eight in my flight. So every single training session leading to Worlds, from the moment I knew it was prime time Eurosport, eight people, I was taking seven minutes break between all of my sets, always, all the time. No matter the weight, no matter the amount of hype I needed, seven minutes always, because that's the amount of time that I would have at Worlds. So I was like that. And then on squats, I did the jumps that I knew I was probably going to hit. So usually in training, I was either doing 230, jumping out straight to 245, and then top set, or 235, jumping up straight to 250. So I was that ready. I knew in my head how everything was going to happen. And I was like, I know that I'm ready to squat with only seven minutes between attempts. I'm used to that. I'm used to taking big jumps. I'm used to taking a second attempt close to that 250 mark. So even slightly below or slightly above when I'm feeling like it. And so basically I had the plan. So I knew 235 was the opener and I knew that based off of that, it would be either 247, 250, 252. And so after I took that 235, uh, I think I was the last opener um, after Brian and Kyoda. So I was like, okay, I knew that what they had put in. And I was like, 247.5 is the call in order to have a significant second that will already put me in that contention total that we think is going to win Worlds this year. So I took 247. Um, was a little battle, but honestly, uh, I did worse, like you said. Um, so I was expecting to, to be able to squat 252.5. So that's what we loaded. And unfortunately, uh, yeah, 252.5 just wasn't there on that day. I couldn't grind it. Um, it just wasn't there. So we finished squat with 247.5. And in 2021, I would have made that mistake. And prior to that, where if I wouldn't, if I wasn't able to squat what I wanted, my meet is over, basically. I'm like, I'm not going to be able to hit that 710, 712, 715 total. So it's done. I'm not going to win with that total and so on and so forth. But myself right now in 2023, I was like, squats are done. Now I have three benches to go, three deadlifts to go. And the pana that squatted isn't the same pana that will bench and deadlifts and deadlifts. So now it's done and I move up to bench. When, when are you paying attention to the fact that Brian Lee missed his third, but Kyoto went three yeah. for three? Yeah. Because, and it, is that, it, is uh, that distressing or? No, no, it, it, yeah, it drives me. It drives mm -hmm. me because if I see them miss, I'm like, if I make it, I'm covering ground. And if I see them succeed, I'm like, they succeeded. Now I have to do the same. So at any moment, it's something like that stresses me out. or It's actually fueled. Whatever happens, if they miss, I'm like, cool. If I make it here, it's a statement and I cover ground. If they make it, I'm like, I cannot fall short. I cannot fall behind. I have to make it happen. And if you miss and Kyoto goes three for three, are you at all like, Bench. Up to bench. Does nothing. Yeah. I was like up to bench. Hmm. It's tough. You you see it happen in the warm-up room with people. They get stuck in the squat event. Yeah. Even the best of the best. Yeah. And, and 
sometimes you're allowed to for a moment, but then you got to get it going. You got to turn, turn it around. It took me 30 seconds. I was like, ah, oh. like I, it was weird because I wasn't even able to grind, which, you know, I can grind a whole lot and not saying I would have grinded my ass off. And, but you know, if I ground like slowly and I ground for some time and then I'm like, okay, it's not going to happen today. That's fine. But it was just weird that I just couldn't, like it didn't even, uh, I didn't even came back up with the weight, which was surprising for me. So it took me 30 seconds to be like, yeah, that's, that's weird. But then I'm like, okay, it's done up to bench. And, um, like I told you, that's a mistake I did in the past. Like you say, a lot of high-level lifters are making or have made that mistake where, you know, you make the perfect plan in your head and I have to squat this, I have to delete that, and that gives me that total. And the other guy is going to do that total. And and you know what? Why One of the main reasons why I didn't care about being fourth and then being seven, seven, ten and up, it was I don't care about the total with which you're coming into Worlds. I care. What I do care about is what you're going to do to the, on that day and what I'm going to do on that day. So you can even come in with a 740, whatever total, I don't care. As long as you didn't make that 740 and I didn't make below that, I'm still there to win. Mm. It's, so it's, I, um, yeah. it's tough to like, to turn that corner and be like, now we deadlift and, and, and the game is still on. It's easier said than done because we do write stories in our head of how the day is going to go. And you almost always write the story that you get your third squat. But let me also sure. say the fact that you didn't grind probably saved you to hit the dead you needed. Yeah, Imagine maybe. you emptied the tank. Yeah, It's all like, I mean, I hate to say this again, but if it happens for a reason, man, yeah. the, the powerlifting gods intervened and stopped you from grinding. Be like, you're going to yeah. need that gas in a little bit because it, it was moving quickly. But, but like you say, we always do that that story in our head, like, oh, I'll squat this as my opener, then that on my second, that on my third. And you know what? Usually those stories were preventing me from sleeping the night off, like the day before. I wasn't sleeping because of that, because I was like, oh, what if I get this squad? And what if prior to Worlds, the day, the night before Worlds, I slept 10 hours. And why is that? It's because I erased all of those stories. In my head, I was like, whatever is going to happen tomorrow, it's a fight until the last deadlift. So I don't care about not being able to hit that squad on that squad. And actually, in that video I just did, um, I, I just posted on YouTube, um, you see me actually uh, talk with the French coach, Cyril, and tell him my third squad between 255 and 260. So actually, in my head on that day, prior to squatting, I was like, I'm good for 260 today. And I just ended up squatting to 47.5, So, which is like quite far off of my best prediction. I didn't care at that moment. I was like, until I didn't do all my benches, they didn't. Until I didn't do all my deadlifts, they didn't. It's not done. You know, it's, it's funny. You talk like that. Rashad Evans was recently on a podcast, and he said... He had all this pressure. You know, he's coming off. A, he, he's a fighter for anyone listening. He won the USC belt. And he said the one turning point for him was he's about, he was still a contender on the rise up. And he's going to fight Chuck Liddell, whom had just recently lost the belt. And if he beats Chuck, he's going to get a title shot. But the pressure was phenomenal. The pressure was like, this is the one. You win this, your dreams. You, you win this, title shot set for life. You win this, and it was 
continue on and on, change your life, your family's life, everything. And the pressure about performing was just insane. And he said, before he walked out as, as when, when he was at his peak, said he pictured himself putting his arms out, falling backwards into a pool and just letting the water splash around him. And he fell into it and he, and if to him and he pictured it with it and he had his arms out when it was happening, when he was picturing it and everyone in the room was watching him. And he said, he felt like you just giving himself to the moment. Whatever's going to happen is going to happen. We're just going to, we're just, we're on reaction time now. And it wouldn't matter if you lost the first round, you're coming out for the second. It wouldn't matter if you're just like you're talking, you come out, you just keep coming. Whatever's going to happen is going to happen. It'll be all right. Don't try to control every detail. You won't. And that's where you're going to get stuck in the details. Let it happen. Give yourself to the moment and just have a little faith. It's going to work out. And he said it was therapeutic just to let go. Stop. What if he does this? I'll do that. What if that? What it's let go. Trust your instincts. Trust yourself. You'll react in time. And he 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 went out there and like uh, spoiler, he knocked Chuck Liddell out, and it was sensational. Knockout of the year gets a title shot, wins it. But um, there's something. It's difficult, man. It's difficult to actually do that in the moment. You need experience. You just need experience. Like uh, in the past, I I definitely wasn't able to do that, and I think I'm able now because of that experience I, I have, and I can reflect upon that. But yeah, if if I can give an an, an an honest advice to anybody listening is don't make the plan before. Like, you know, in your head what you want to hit. You've discussed that with your coach, with yourself, with the national team, whatever. Yeah, obviously you have to have a plan. But once that plan is set, it's done. You forget about it and you only remember it on the day off. Not before, not two days before, not a week before. The plan is set and then you just let it go. And you know what? So I had um, two lift, two French lifters that I was coaching. So three uh, in total. So two French and uh, one lifter from Singapore. Um, and you know what I told them? I told when I when I gave them the the sheets for their attempts and everything. I told them that's the plan. That's the overall plan. Obviously, uh, that would be that would make sense for you to be able to hit that and that number because of your training and everything. But then what I'm expecting from you is a fight on the day of you're fighting for every attempt. You, nothing will be given to you. You'll have to earn every single kilo. And I don't care if you don't squat what you want to squat. I don't care. And actually for the record, uh, Tiffany wasn't able to squat what she wanted to squat. Still one. Uh, Farhana, the, the athlete from Singapore with whom uh, I worked for quite some time now, wasn't able to squat what she was able to squat still ended up pulling a world record deadlift. It doesn't matter what happens on squat, happened on squat, what happens on bench, happened on bench. And then only by the end of deadlift, you know who the winner is, who the second place is, who the third place is, and so on and so forth. So that's really a game you have to be able to play where you have your plan, but then you know in your head, no matter if things don't go accordingly to plan, you just fight until the very last deadlift. No other way around. So going into bench press, you go three for three. Now some of the others are starting to falter and you hit 172.5. Now, how are you feeling after the bench? So I'm feeling good. And 
so what happened was I lost some kilos on squats. I felt good after 247. We put in 252. And maybe, obviously, after not hitting 252, you can second guess and be like, oh, 250 maybe would have been the call, actually. And so on bench, the plan was to hit 165 as the opener, 172 as the second attempt, and then 75 to 77, depending on how I was feeling. So I take 65 and actually I kind of misgroove it. So I was like, ah, it didn't move the, the exact way I wanted. So I don't want to jeopardize my total by putting 172 and then I miss for whatever reason. And then I'm stuck with 165. And then obviously it's not done, but it's way, way, way more complicated now because bench was actually the movement on which uh, I had the biggest advantage over uh, Brian Lee and um, a somewhat solid advantage over Kyoda. So I knew I had to hit my benches. And um, so I take 165, I go up to 170 because of that. And then 170 moves well. I'm like, I feel I'm good for 175, but it's the same thing. If I put in 175, miss for whatever reason, now I'm five behind on squats because of that third attempt. If I'm five again behind on bench because of that third attempt, I'm 10, I'm 10 behind by deadlifts. And I was like, that's a position I cannot afford myself to go into. So um, after some conversation with the staff, uh, the staff of Team France, we decided to put in 172.5. Um, looking back, I think I was good for 175, but you only know in the aftermath, right? Um, so you just have to uh, put in the, the number that seems right at that moment. And at that moment, uh, depending on, on how I was feeling and also uh, how close the battle was, I was like, I cannot miss my third bench. Already missed my third squat. That won't happen again on bench. I have to hit my third bench. And so 172.5 was the goal. And, um, and yeah, we just uh, small grind, mini grind, I would say. <laughs> it was, yeah, I mean, it, bench can fall off so quickly. And you're right. Like, Kyoto missed, you hit. By this point, Kasim Sand was pretty much out of the discussion, yeah, I would yeah, say. Yeah. Do you know what ended up happening with him? Uh, I think he got sick uh, some weeks prior to Wells, probably. That's what he said, at least. So the battle turned into, from a four-man battle, essentially by this point, a three-man battle. Here's the thing. Those other two gentlemen have monster deadlifts. Brian yeah. Lee's deadlift is absolutely, it's insane. Top end, we're talking 320 or more. Um, so you know what you have coming. And you have a big deadlift, but you're in the midst of the biggest deadlifters we've ever seen in the 66-kilo class. For a 66-kilo man, 145-pound man, to be deadlifting over 700 pounds in competition is insane. How confident are you walking into deadlifts, knowing we're about to, this, this is, it's all going to come to a head? So um, I think I told you that story. Um so in between attempts, um, in between the break we had, I was going to the audience to see my family, my friends, and obviously my dad. And so my dad comes to me and he asks me, like, who's the better deadlifter, you or the others? And I tell him, the others, but not today. Right. Because at that moment, I was like, nobody is beating me today. And I really honestly didn't care about what they had both deadlifted in training or in comp or whatever, because again, like I told you, I don't care about your nomination total. I don't care about what you did nationally, 
two months ago, six months ago. It, I don't care. What I care about is what you're going to do on that day and what I'm going to do on that day. And in my head, I was like, on that day, none of them is strong enough on that to beat me on my total. And I knew they had that advantage over me to be able to pull after me and pull exactly what they needed. So my plan was simple, squat as much as I can, bench as much as I can, deadlift as much as I can, and push them to try to deadlift something they're not able to on that day. Because you can load up 320, you can load up 340 if, if, if it's funny for you, but then like good luck trying to deadlift that. And I'll be definitely eating popcorns in the back room trying to see you make it happen. Right. So you you hit 270, you hit 285, and 285 was work. Yeah. You come out for, for more. Um, it was 292.5. Yeah. You missed 292.5. And now your total's at 705. And still to come up, Kyoto is going to make a play for 292.5. And that would nudge him ahead. And Brian Lee has 312.5. And he's going to have a couple of kicks at the can at it. And Kasim Sane is out of it at this point. But you you finished off lifting and you're watching these take place. And did you go before Kyoto's final deadlift? Yeah. I forget the order of, uh, yeah. of events. Yeah, because I had the smallest lot number. So he was okay. always going after me. So he, he can always um, adjust everything. So one thing that I want to mention, though, is, you know, um, Team Friends did a phenomenal job uh, with my attempt selection um, because Cyril, uh, who was uh, my coach from Team Friends on that day, um, we talked before. Cyril knows me. I know him. We have that um, connection between uh, because, you know, like I told you, he's like a father figure to me in powerlifting. Uh, he was there when I won in 2021. So he's always been there with me. And um, we actually... Um, Sit, sat down for 10 minutes prior to warming up for deads and we crunched the numbers. We were like, okay, if we hit that number in on the, our second deadlift, we're doing something really significant in terms of total. And actually, um, we kind of decided what they would have to load up to be able to win. So they do have the advantage over me to be able to deadlift after me. So they know exactly what they need to hit, but we actually make the first, we actually made the first move because by choosing the right number on the second attempt, we knew exactly what they had to deadlift in order to go above me. And so we had that conversation with uh, Cyril and we both agreed 25 is the call. So we we actually were hesitant between 25 and 27.5. 25 was a complete hit for me. Like I was sure on that day, 25 was moving. For 27.5, I was 95% sure. So I was like, probably will happen. Not 100% sure though. So because of that, he told me, you know what? 25 is the call. And if we have to go back to 27, 290, with the hype, with the energy, you load it and you'll make it happen. So like I told you also, that's something that I was used to doing in training. I was taking big jumps in order to actually uh, prepare myself as much as I could for that. So I took big jumps in training up to like 260 and then jumping straight to 285, 287, 290. So we're talking 30 kilos jump. And the reason I did that is because I wanted to keep as much strength as I could for my significant sets and not try to gas me be, like by doing only 5, 10, 
12.5 ish kilo jumps. So it was really like 20 kilos jump, 25. And so on that day, when I took a 15 kilo jump, I was like confident that's moving 100%. And so, yeah, like you said, uh, Kyoda was after me with 292.5 and Brian was after me with 312.5. So what I did was exactly what I told you, went back uh, into the uh, warm-up area and waiting with Team France to see what was happening. So you essentially thought, let me do as close as I can to locking this up with my second and yeah. extend them with the second. Yeah. And then if the third is the death blow, that's good but the second should be good enough. Yeah. Or most days to win. That was the plan. In our head, we knew the second attempt had to be really meaningful. It had to be extremely close to the top end total that we thought I was good for for that day. And it was. Um, and like I told you, I told Cyril, we're not going to play this like opener, second attempt, third attempt. I told him the second attempt is the one that matters, not the most, obviously, because if I have to come back to deadlift the third in order to win Worlds, obviously I'm going back with the, you know, with the biggest hype in the world, right? But I was like, the second has to be the one that's meaningful, that forces them to do something they probably won't be able. So in my head, I was like, even if they make something better than my second, I am extending them and they'll probably miss their third because of that. That was my whole uh, thought process. Um, at that moment. It's interesting because a lot of people would get into lowering their second to have energy for their third. Yeah, Thinking then, th everyone thinks their third is the one. Yeah, but, but, then, but then but then, your second is meaningless. Right. It's just a fallback plan yeah. that if I miss my third, here's the problem. Your fallback, you lowered it too much and it's not yeah. going to do anything. They could defeat it. Yeah, 100%. Like... What I mean by that, you have to know why you're going there. Like some people, uh, I saw some posts today. Some people are like, yeah, I, I didn't go to Worlds to win. I didn't I go to Worlds to do nine on, five, nine on nine, have a good day. Yeah, that's cool. Cool for you. I didn't go to Worlds to do nine on nine and have a 27 uh, white lights day, whatever. I don't care. I went to Worlds to win. So everybody's free to decide whatever they want to do at Worlds. My plan is this one. I don't have... A backup plan. I don't have a plan B, plan C, plan D, whatever. If I'm not good enough for my second attempt, it's that I'm just not good enough for that day in order to podium to whatever to win. So let so that's it. You know what I mean? That's just it. So it, when we talked with Cyril um, and the staff of Team Friends, I told them the second attempt is meaningful. I want to deliver something meaningful on that second attempt, which we think is really, really, really close, or the total we need to win. And, you know, it's if more people had done that throughout this world, because the pace was insane. Yeah, the, the pace everyone talks ready. about. People weren't the pace, ready. They weren't ready. Some people in multiple different weight classes, like Anatoly rose up. But a lot of the 105s could not keep the pace. And they didn't, they, their attempt selection was like a normal attempt selection on a normal day. Eight people, Eurosport speed, those fellas they had spotting and loading were phenomenal. Yeah, they flew them in. And um and they wanted a quick pace. Eurosport wanted a quick pace to make it action packed. Totals, most totals went down. It would be a shame for some, and they're going to do this anyways. But some people in their home nations blowing up local meets, comparing their totals to people that competed at the World Championships. You don't know what it was like. Not only are is the pace 
was insane. The flights were super small in the prime time and the spotters and loaders were moving so quickly, but the calls were so tough. When people do come over from different federations, there's going to, there's going to be a very rude adjustment period. If they're not ready, they have to attempt select wisely, especially if they make it to the world championships, national setting might be different, but the world is going to be a whole nother enchilada. Add to that travel time zone change, et cetera. But the pace and the and the calls are brutal. Absolutely brutal. And you're a veteran of the game. So this is where that's one thing that you have over some of your competitors. But um, so when you're watching in the back and you're and you finally watch Brian Lee's the last one to go. Kyoto misses. Brian Lee misses. And then it dawns on you. Are you are you telling yourself like I'm they're going to miss? Today, they're going to miss. Every other day, fellas, would be your day. You're, you're just not going to hit today. Honestly, no, <clears throat> because at Worlds this year, I didn't want to win because the other ones are weaker than me. I wanted to win against the best of the best, the top of the top. And that's who they were, right? Kyoda, Brown Lee. Um, Kasim Sand. Yeah, Kasim Sand. They're at the top of the top at that moment. They, they hit the, the biggest totals in 66s. Obviously, nationally, whatever, we don't care. It's still the best of the best. So in my head, I'm like, this year, I'm winning to show everybody you come back. When you miss, when you fall down, when you fail everything, you come back. And the example I had was my dad, again, who never, never gave up. And he's still fighting today. So I cannot expect an easy fight you know what i mean i wanted the hard hard fight i wanted the toughest fight and so i was extremely calm and collected uh in the warm-up room looking at them trying to attempt the lifts you know why because if they make it they're just better than me like there's nothing to say if they make it they're just stronger than me and i just i don't deserve to win at that moment if they're stronger than me so honestly I don't want to say I was rooting for them. Obviously not. I don't want to say I was wishing they would miss. Again, obviously not. I was just calmly looking at the screen, like wanting to know who's the best in the world. That was really my question. Like, am I the best in the world or is it one of them? And, you know, I see Kyoda miss. I see Brian Lee miss. And then in my head, it's like, it's almost as if I was relieved. Like, I'm the best in the world. It's... The old me is back. Um, I found my old self. I'm back at being the best in the world at my craft, at what I do at powerlifting. And so, yeah, and then just um, I fell off because of the um, emotions that I had. And then it's almost as if everything went numb and I just wanted to see my dad. At that moment, I was like, I have to go see my dad. And so a guy comes to me for uh, drug testing and everything. And I'm like, yeah, cool, cool. Uh, could you follow me? I have to go see my dad. And so the guy is like super, super nice. And he goes, hey, yeah, for sure. And then boom, I start running uh, to immediately go see my dad. And, you know, obviously that was the images of the clip you showed up. Uh, uh, you showed a little earlier. And um, everybody told me like you were falling in the stairs uh, you were pushing people away. And I didn't realize any of that because in my head, I was like, I just want to hug my dad. Um, and yeah, and then, uh, you know, that's that's the moment you showed where um, I uh, I shared something really special with my dad. And 
again, I've said it multiple times, but I didn't find powerlifting. Powerlifting found me when I needed the most. And powerlifting uh, gave a meaning to my life and to myself, to my being. But it also helped me link even further with my dad. Because what happened on that on that day, what we shared on, with my dad on that day, um, is something truly special and something I'll never forget. Um, for whatever, how many years I'm still competing, for how many years um, I'm still here, for how many years my dad is still here, that moment is uh, carved into my chest, into my heart. And um, that's thanks to powerlifting. That's thanks to my sport. So yeah, that hug with my dad was uh, probably my uh, the dopest moment of Worlds um, 2023. And then it, obviously... It, it, sorry, go, yeah, ahead. go ahead. No, go ahead, go ahead. I, I was just going to say, it, um, man, I, 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 like, I don't think I'll ever forget that moment. It's it's the it's the um, it's look at it stalled worlds twenty twenty three and there's a lot of good moments that doesn't mean there wasn't other moments it just like like the return of Anatoly from everything that's going on in Ukraine for him to come back win best lifter win the title everything there's a lot of a beautiful stories out there and I take nothing away from any of them but that moment was captured live on video right there in the whole setup to it. It, it wasn't even supposed to happen. Like, God bless him. Totally was number one nomination and it was his to lose. Like that, that's, you know, there was, there's some kind of setups to stories. You're like, yeah, but we already know what's going to happen here. This one was such a wild moment. And for you to be describing being in the back room, watching it and being like, were you scared? Were you, what were you thinking? You're like, I just wanted to, I was calm. I just want to know who is the strongest today. And I'm curious. It's more, you're curious. Is it me? It's not me. That's fine. I can handle it. I left it out there. And when you found out, it, it showed like in the video clip, you you dropped to the ground and everybody's grabbing at you. And everyone's like, it's like that moment in Spider-Man where they pulled back up and start body surfing. Them. They all pulled you back up to your feet. We're like, holy fuck, we got the champ right here. He did it. It was, it was so wild that it happened, man. I can't even imagine what, um, I mean, I keep saying, thinking like what, well, what's happening in France right now for everyone, but worldwide, man, it's just a phenomenal feel good story that uh, I'm so happy the way everything turned out. And uh, I don't know, even know how you, how you approach what's next after this. Do, do you tell yourself like, wow, I mean, it, it, it surely can't get any sweeter than this. Can it? For me, it's closed. Um, like I told you that chapter of my life is closed because that's not um my dad was already sick in 2022. So that's something I, I could already have brought up at that moment, right? I could have said, hey, I did worse. I, I did bad at Worlds uh, because my dad, whatever. I didn't because um, that's my private personal life. Obviously, some people were aware, you were aware, uh, my family, my friends were aware, my training partners, but no, nobody else. Um, and it's because... Um, you know, that's that's not easy to talk about it um, because that's not easy to show to the world um, what you're living and, um, and also like my dad's situation, right? So when I said it, I was on a mission to win, 
because I made a promise, it's done. Like the promise that I made is accomplished. My mission is accomplished. It's finished. And that's a chapter I'm closing. Like the chapter is already closed actually in my, in my head, in my mind. Um, and you know what the, the funny part is? Um, I closed that chapter when I gave the medal to my dad. So I won, did the medal ceremony, went back home, we celebrated, you were with us. Um, and then the next day I got to spend the day with my dad because he actually stay, stayed a little more. And at the end of that day, he was flying back home, uh, back in Greece, obviously. Um, and I just, at that moment, I was like, okay, if I give it, if I give the medal to him right now, it's done. So I gave him my gold medal. I gave him my uh, tracksuit from Team France, which is now made by Salon Walker, by the way. So that's that's cool. Also, I gave him the tracksuit. I gave him the medal, and I'm like, okay, it's 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 a finished business. It's done. Um, obviously, my dad told me that he enjoyed a lot uh, watching me compete, and that he wanted to come see me more often at international events because now he doesn't work anymore um, because he cannot and uh, he has more free time and he told me yeah I really would like to come see you lift and what he told me was he would come see me lift at Sheffield so that's uh, that's really really cool right uh, but I won't be it, it's it's not the same it's I cannot compete for my dad every single competition right um, like I said, he sets the example for me. He shows me, showed me, hey, son, you fall back. I fell, uh, you, you fall off. I fell off because of my sickness. I fell off for other reasons, right? You just get back to your feet and you move forward. That's the mentality I, I he had. And that's the mentality I, I follow. And obviously, I've always had that mentality prior to him being sick. But now with him being sick, it make it makes more sense. I really feel like it's my essence, Whatever will happen to me in my life, I will always move forward. I was, I will always bounce back. But then, I will always drive energy, focus, momentum, strength from my dad. But not at every meet. Not every meet will be. Yeah, this one's for my dad. This one's for my dad. This one was for my dad. Now it's done. I obviously plan on competing um, again. Show him how strong I am. Um, show him my mentality, but not to the same extent. I feel that this was that moment and it's done. So, um, so yeah, now, uh, like, you know, I'm competing in uh, 10 days <laughs> at the, at the Simon Worker meet event. Um, and the reason why I'm competing is I want to celebrate with people in France, man. Um, I, I received so many messages, so many comments so many love so much love i'm like how do i give back and one of the best way to give back and do a party and obviously i'm a, I'm a party for i'm an athlete i don't party like i don't drink i don't go out how do i party i do my sport i practice my sport i showcase my strength um and uh and yeah in my head afterwards i was like yeah maybe i'm not competing at silent worker me this year i'm I'm drained physically, emotionally. And then I thought back and I was like, no, man, I cannot. I just cannot. I have to give them something uh, to those who followed me when everything was rough, 
those who never stopped believing in me. Because like you say, um, worldwide, I wasn't the favorite to win. Nationally, I cannot tell you how many messages I got. Like, yeah, man, you're just going to win this year. We're behind you. You're just going to win. You're just going to win. So maybe what that's another reason why I felt uh, like the uh, favorite and not the underdog. Because in France, uh, I had that that support. Like people was like, yeah, you're just going to win. Um, so yeah, so I was like, I just have to compete, man. So now I'm already back in training uh, and I'm competing in 10 days. So uh, that's what's... <laughs> Well, first off, that's crazy. Um, your story has so much symbolism in it. When you said you gave your father the gold medal and now the deed is done. Now, yeah. now we're at peace. Now we can be at peace with this. You know, yeah. you, you gave me what I needed and I gave you what you needed. And at the moment we needed each other at that exact moment we had, and you can't replicate moments or whatever. That's all we need. Yeah. And you don't need to replicate those moments. Because that moment will never go away. You'll yeah. always have that moment. It'll, it's always with you. It happened. You know, um, there's no need to keep trying to chase the same thing over and replicate it, it again and again. As a matter of fact, when you do that, it it cheapens the first time. Yeah, 100%. 100%. Let it go. Now it's new. And when you pivot, and now you're you're going to do silent worker and because all those people now want to see you, that probably is the next motivation is I got a lot of people who who are touched by all this looking for for inspiration and belief and like I gotta keep going. I gotta yeah. keep marching. It's not gonna be like last time, but it's there are more battles to fight. You that's know how, that's how I train right now. Because like I told you like physically emotionally I'm drained, but that's how I trained. I'm like, man, like I cannot let those people down because they, they give me so much and they gave me so much. Um like you say, that's that's my current motivation. I'm like, and I'm not like, yeah, I'm going to squat 230. Man, it's going to be all out, RP, 10, squat, bench, deadlift. I'll try to beat my best total. If that happens, that's cool. If that doesn't happen, that's fine. I'll go out on my shield as usual. Um, but yeah, why do I want to do that for them? It's because if some of them show up, I want to I want to be able to thank them. And the best way I can thank them is by doing what I what I do. It's powerlifting. Um, you know, um, when you go to a soccer game, when you go to a football game, when you go to a tennis game, when you go to whatever game, as a as a spectator, as a fan, as somebody who loves the sport, you just want to see um, the athlete compete at its best. And no matter who wins, you just want to see the sport. You just want to see the practice. And I think powerlifters have to understand you cannot do one meet a year. You cannot do two meets a year. Otherwise, the sport will never grow. You have to do multiple meets. It's because, because when you do those meets, that's where you connect to people. Imagine if you watch a football game, a soccer game, and you have two games a year. How can you link uh, with your team? How can you link with the players? How can you link with the sport? So that's something that really rubs me the wrong ways. Those powerlifters that do like one meet a year, two meets a year, now I'm... Uh, off season for seven months none of that man that's that doesn't exist if you don't post your numbers your squats your bench your deadlift on social media the sport won't grow if you don't compete nationally internationally often the sport won't grow people need to see you people need to see the athletes and i myself am a fan of a lot of other athletes in powerlifting 
and in other sports. And if you have a, an MMA fight every three years, man, everybody forgets who you are. Like Henry Cerudo came back after his uh, retirement. Everybody forgot who he was. Like the mainstream, obviously, audience, not talking about the hardcore fans, right? But then, you know, only only some few a few names can can make that impression by only fighting every two three years. Um, but otherwise, you have to be active. And um, I don't know for how long I'm going to be active at that sport. I don't know for how long my body will allow me to. But one thing is for sure: I'd rather live ten years as a king rather than hundred years as a slave. So, um, yeah, 10 days off my next meet. It's, uh, first off, agreed 100%. I've taught, we, I had people in the hotel lobby one of the nights, and this is like, we're talking like Mike T, Eric Helms, like people who know, people who have been in the game for decades, and they were like, don't see an advantage to not posting. It yeah. is what it is. Post. Post. Put it out there. There is no, there is just in terms of what that'll do for growth for the sport, people try to mitigate that. No, that's why we're at, we're at is social media. If we didn't have social media, we wouldn't be where we're at. There's not a question about that. It kills me when people don't. And yes, you compete. Even if it's like, if you're, if you're injured, injured a little bit or okay, fine. But you don't even have to go a hundred percent if you're slightly banged up too badly. Just showing up, you showing up at Silent Worker, people will go nuts. You could show up at Silent Worker, grab the microphone and talk. That's one thing. But if someone shows up at Silent Worker, do you think they care if you do the same tool you did at Worlds or if you just squat, bench, and deadlift? And they're going to cheer their ass off for your third. And even if you grind your third, but it's way less, they don't care if you're grinding 230. They'll be like, I just watched the champ do his damn thing and they're gonna go nuts and you're gonna throw your hands off like you just squatted 260 you know even if it wasn't and they're gonna go crazy for it. and that's the connection you told me on a podcast one time and people also this is another soundbite that people bring up to me about you you said powerlifting is the way i express myself and that is a beautiful thing that is like something like an artist talks about you know yeah. the conflicted and you're like so when you see me grind you know, that's, that's me showing you a little bit of heart or when you see me with these, the way I approach it all, I'm putting it out there for you. So when you come and see me at silent worker, I'm not shaking your hand on the side with a microphone. I'm on the platform expressing myself. Cause you came to watch me play my guitar. <laughs> you know, yeah. you didn't come to watch me talk about playing. You came to w hear me play my guitar. 100%. So here, this is what I'll do for you. Yeah. I agree with you hundred percent. Like, when when you when you talk to a soccer player or football player, he's a soccer player, football player. So yeah, obviously you, you may talk with him, but you may, you talk with him because he's that player, that soccer player, that football player. So if at some point I'm like, nah, I'm done competing, I'm just going to take the microphone. Maybe some people will listen for two three weeks, but then I'm not the same dude anymore. I'm not the polyfter anymore. I'm retired. Um, so yeah. So uh, like I said, I don't know for how long. Um, I'm going to do this, but for how, however long I still have, I'm going to live to the fullest that I have, to the fullest of my ability, because that's how I chose um, to practice my sport. Um, and um, I'm just going to show up every single time, always, no matter what. Uh, Tiffany will also do the Sun Walker meet. 
I told her, Tiff, you did everything this year. You won everything. You can just rest. If you feel like it, you did Sheffield. Right after Sheffield, it was Worlds. You had the stackest and the biggest battle of the 47th ever. Uh, you won. You can just rest. She told me, you know what? Yeah, I do feel like I need some rest, but I want to have fun. I want to enjoy myself. So she told me, if I really don't feel like it, I'll drop. But if I do, even if it's not 100%, I want to compete also. That's it. You know, that's that's just it. And she, she's world class, right? She's 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 not oh, yeah. like somebody that doesn't know what she does. Uh, obviously, I'm coaching her. I'm a world class coach myself. I know what I do. Sometimes you have to do the damn thing. Sometimes you have to be, okay, that's not ideal. That's not perfect. Um, my block, my peaking, my taper. Like, obviously, we didn't have the plan to do, a, uh, the, the, the time to do a peaking, a, a taper, a deload, because... Like Worlds was two weeks prior to the Salon Walker meet. So we're not into nothing fancy. We're like, okay, we'll try to do what we can on the remaining days of training we have. We'll show up. We'll do our best. If we feel that it's risky, we'll get injured. Obviously, none of us will compete. If not, if we feel we can compete, we will compete, do our best, and see what happens. And now looking forward, um, you have Sheffield, and you brought up Sheffield with Tiff. And it was it's the wildest because... When I was at Sheffield, I remember there was talk initially from worlds, like going into 2022, you were the world champion. If, and everyone knew 2022 worlds was going to like set up Sheffield. And it's like, oh my God, if we got Pena in Sheffield, that like the French would show up and it would be bonkers. And everyone, and the show you would put on like Gavin Aiden style, you know? And um, I was like, oh, if we could get Pena there somehow turn up fifth place and it's like ah, like that's that's probably it, it, you can't make that work then europeans all right well let's see hey if penna could do some damage at euros if penna can break the world record or and then you're hearing strong he's gonna do this then the bomb out so sheffield comes we're at sheffield and you're coaching you're there as a coach you know and you're helping out the team you're helping out the french and the whole night were you picturing there? I remember thinking like, if Penna was lifting right now, if Penna was in the mix right now, but it's a long road ahead because we all knew the different nominations that are coming to this world. Were you telling yourself when you're at Sheffield, as bonkers as it was, I'm going to be here. I'm going to be here at Sheffield. I'm going to be competing as an athlete. So uh, what I did was I talked with the uh, Ben Banks, uh, SBD's boss, for uh, those who don't know who he is. And I told him, that's the most beautiful and hype and incredible meet I've ever seen. And I told him, next year I'm competing. And I also was talking about it with Pete, Pete Spence. I told him, Pete, next year I'm competing. And I don't plan on getting a wild card or what I'm competing, 100%. So... Um, so yeah, so Sheffield 2023 was incredible. The biggest meet ever. Um, I'm glad and I'm happy I didn't compete at Sheffield 2023 because I got to give myself 100% to Tiffany. And it was her first meet of that nature. So I wanted to be her for her 100%. So me not competing allowed me to do so because I just had to focus on her, nothing else. Um, and also... I think that's something that people are uh, scared to admit. 
sometimes you just don't deserve some things, right? Sometimes it just happens. It doesn't mean that it, it doesn't diminish you as a person. It can diminish you as an athlete, but that's how it works. That's how this world operates. If you're doing an awesome season with your football team, with your basketball team, with your soccer team, and you're a pro athlete, you'll maybe get an increase, you'll maybe get a better deal, you'll maybe get a better contract. If you do one year, two years, three years in a row, you do bad, uh, you regress, you don't do the numbers you used to, you're going to get traded, you're going to go to a not so good team, less uh, money, less wage, less hype, less everything. That's how this sport, the, the world of sports operates. So with my 2022, uh, fifth at Worlds, not competing at the Arnold, bombing out of Euros, I have zero reason to be at Sheffield from an athlete perspective. From a social media perspective, maybe because I have a high profile for powerlifting, yeah, but from a sports perspective, zero reason to be at Sheffield. So at that moment, I'm at peace with that. And actually, I'm glad I didn't get any way of invitation, whatever, because I just didn't deserve it. And after that, let's say even if I got one, I probably would have declined it because I just didn't feel like I deserved it at that moment. And to be able to compete with the best of the best, with the world champions at the biggest stage, you have to earn it. It's a right you have to earn. So... Um, at that moment, I was like happy to not compete. Then I saw you, I saw the event, I saw everything. And the more and more moments were passing, more and more I was like, next year I'm competing, next year I'm competing, next year I'm competing. And like I told you, what I said to Pete Spence was, Pete, next year you'll have um, those nice uh, flyers that we're giving. You'll have my face on one of those. And it won't be through a wild card. I don't. I won't resort to a wild card to get to Sheffield 2024. And it so now, be said, sorry, if you were like next year NBA Sheffield, and he's like, well, I mean, we gotta look at the wild cards. You're like, playboy, oh playboy, I'm not coming through a wild card. I'm I'm coming, and there's no way you could stop me. Absolutely. I'm coming the old-fashioned way. I'm kicking the front door in, Playboy. I'm not yeah, sneaking yeah, in yeah, the yeah. back. I'm not. You don't got to block your windows. I ain't coming through any of the side windows, Playboy. Like I'm going to kick your front door in and like make my sheriff. meal. That's, with right. My boots, That's right. With my big boots like a sheriff. That's right. Uh, That's right. Yes, that, that was my mentality, man. And, uh, and yeah, so right after I won Worlds, Pete was in the backstage and he goes, um, so do you, uh, do you accept the invitation to Sheffield? I go, no. What? Yeah, tell him no. And he looks at me like, you know, pissed off. And I'm like, yeah, no, I, I don't want to compete at Sheffield. And then he goes, okay, fine. And then I'm going, no, 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 it's a joke. It's a joke. I, yeah, I accept the advice. I accept it. Uh, so That's yeah, a risky so game you're playing, by the way. <laughs> Sorry? That's a risky game you're playing, yeah, yeah, by the yeah, way. Yeah. Especially, <laughs> with, especially with someone like Pete. But, you know, he, yeah, obviously he knew he was all good spirits. And I told him, like, why do you even bother to ask the question? Like, who in his right mind would decline uh, to an, an invitation to compete at Sheffield? Nobody. So, yeah, so now it's official. And, um, and a little story. So the day before I competed, Tiffany competed, right? Right after she won, uh, she had to do some interviews for SBD for Sheffield. 
And uh, since I'm her coach and also her friend, uh, Pete told me, hey, uh, would you be okay being there for translation purposes and, and, and whatnot? And so I was like, yeah, cool, that's for sure. So I go there. And so one of the questions they asked Tiff was, who do you want to compete with or against at Sheffield? And her answer was Pana and Leah. And so me, you know, on that day, worlds for me, worlds is the next day, right? And so I'm just casually sitting and when I have to translate the question and, and she gives her answer, she goes, yeah, Pana and Leah. And myself, I'm like, oh, that's pressure. Because she wants, to, <laughs> she wants to compete with me. So now if I don't make it happen tomorrow, then her answer will, will sound, you know, dumb. Oh, yeah. The video yeah. comes out and it's like, oh, damn. Yeah. Le yeah, yeah. If it was she made it, Leah made it, and you didn't, you'd be like, oh, yeah. damn. Yeah. So when, when she said that, you know, obviously I was really touched by what she said uh, because she said she wanted to compete with me on that stage. But I was like, yeah. Another, another reason to add to the list to make it to Sheffield through the uh, invitation, through, through the second round inv invitation by being a world champ. Yeah, at that point, you're like, you know what? Maybe I accept a wild card if I come in second. You know what? Maybe maybe, <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe now I got to. There's enough pressure. Um, And also, you guys replicating 2021, Tiff, you and Leah winning gold. And then you guys replicating that picture was amazing, by the way. Yeah. Yeah, we was... we had said we make it happen. We take the same photo, like we said that before in advance. We are like, and here you, yeah. We we make it happen. We just make it happen. We find a way each of us to make it happen. It's crazy, man. You guys have done so much together, like yeah. you the the trials and tribulations you've all been through. Leah, like I'm, I booked Leah to talk about her like her journey. Um, we'll do it on the weekend, but her 2022 worlds, dude, yeah. like it's, you guys have been through so much. Turbo Tiff is young. She hasn't been there yet. She's going to have a couple of hiccups somewhere. That's how life is. Life doesn't yeah. just, yeah, winning, winning, winning. Everything's good. And then that's it. Nah, it's coming. You're going to have some moments at the very least when it comes for turbo, you guys have already been through it and yeah. you will, you will be able to pull her aside and be like, all right, it's okay. You're not alone. Yeah. Here's what you know what? What's funny with Leah is, um, so we both won Worlds the same year, 2021. And 2022, obviously, Leah was the heavy favorite to win. And I was a favorite to win also in 2022, not with to the same extent with Leah, but I was favorite also to win in 2022. And we both didn't win for various reasons, right? Not the same, but various reasons. And so... Um, Right the morning of Leah's comp, I was talking with her uh, on WhatsApp and I told her we won and we rose to the top together in 2021. 2022, we both, we both fell off at the same moment and we both went into the same dark place. Now I won 2023, your turn to do the same and we're back on top together the same year at the same moment. It's not crazy. Uh, like, like even even if you want to write something like that, people would be like, "Ah, that's a little too much." Maybe, <laughs> maybe, yeah. maybe like, you have you have too many good storylines going on yeah. at once. Yeah, yeah. All right, yeah, drop yeah. drop the Leah Bavwa side. It's too yeah, much. 
you know, yeah. drop the turbo tiff. We got the father. Okay, we got there's too much going on right now. And they're like, nah, no, this is perfect. And they replicate the photo and the whole become full circle. And by That's the way, crazy. just for the record, uh, on that photo, it was Delaney's medal because I had already give gave mine to, to my dad. So right. I had to, I had to go up to my boy Delaney. I was like, dude, could you just uh, could I just borrow your gold medal for a quick photo? And Delaney is uh, is the G. So he was like, uh, yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, uh, yeah, go ahead. So he's my guy. So uh, thanks to Delaney for making now Delaney's that now Delaney's got. Pin his teeth marks in his metal for the rest of us. <laughs> so, uh, I, I hope I, I hope he doesn't see it. But, uh, but <laughs> that's yeah. right. Like, yeah. I, I was like cleaning the metal right after. I was like, yeah, thank you very much. But yeah, Delaney is my guy. So, uh, so thanks, thanks to Delaney for making that photo happen. Because at first, so I won gold in bench, but the metal of the movements are really, really smaller than the total metal. So at first we were like, ah. Oh, yeah, Pana, well, you'll just take your bench gold medal. But it was weird. So um, I thought, oh, um, depending on who wins, maybe I could ask. And then Delaney won. And I was like, yeah, yeah, I can ask Delaney. And so yeah. uh, he was doing an interview and I was actually in that room. And uh, after he, he did the interview, I was like, yeah, Delaney, could you could I just borrow your medal? And he was like, yeah, yeah for sure, for sure. And gave me the medal immediately. So uh, Dude, again, it'd be awkward if you were to ask like Anatoly Novopismani. And yeah. he's like, well, what? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's, it. that's it. That, that, no, I gotta that... put it in my mouth. Yeah, uh, I didn't tell the lady I would put it in my mouth. So hopefully next <laughs> time I ask him to borrow his medal, he still lets me. Dude, Anatoly, so Eastern European. I asked for a picture with him. He's like, yeah, yeah, sure. He's like a nice guy. But I'm like, let's pose like this. And I have my arms crossed in the six-pack lap at whatever. He's like, I can't do that. He's like, I'll just smile. And I'm like, all right, man, I'll do my thing. You do yours. He's like so like straight up the typical yeah, Eastern yeah, European yeah. dude. God bless him. But um, so you go to Sheffield, and I asked you before, who do you want to come with you to Sheffield? So uh, like I said, I have a lot of respect for my competitors, all of them. Now, if you ask me, um, I think Kyoto for me isn't the right pick for Sheffield 2024 um, to compete against. Uh, the reason is that I don't see him making the right adjustments in order to be able to compete at that level. So for me, the right person right now would be Brian Lee. Um, because what happened was it was his first international event. He still did amazing at his first international event. I think he did like 695.5, which is like one of the top totals um, at Worlds in the 66s. Maybe there's Berglund, Charles Okpoko, myself. And I think there's nobody else with that kind of total at Worlds. So if you look at it, uh, and the name uh, like Charles Opoko is like two times world champ. Eddie was is the 2022 world champ. I'm the 2021-2023 world champ. So mentioning one of the best of the best 66s, right? So actually, with his first international appearance at Worlds, Brian did something really meaningful. So for me, the smartest, the most coherent choice would be Brian Lee. 
Now, I don't think it will happen. Um, I don't know because I don't make the picks for Sheffield, right? But Kyoda has his um, regional invite um, because he's um, the only Asian athlete with the biggest 95% total. Uh, so Kyoda will already compete at Sheffield. So that's already a matchup that will happen. Now, if you ask me, I think by then I'll be levels above him. Uh, hopefully I'm not. Uh, and that's still a tough battle. But I do believe I will be levels above him because um, I do. I think he works extremely hard, as hard as me, probably. Uh, but I doubt that he works as smart as I did for this Worlds prep. I was the most prepared out of them all for Worlds this year. And I don't think that will change uh, for Kyoda uh, by Sheffield 2024. Now, Kyoda's a... There's a difference between Kyoda, Kasim Sand, and Brian Lee, at least now. Here's the difference that I'm spotting. Um, Brian Lee's about as nice as a guy as you're going to find. Okay. He's a sweet kid. Phenomenal deadlifter. Phenomenal powerlifter. Um, possibly the greatest 66 kilo deadlifter we've ever seen. I'd like to see him do it at an international level, kind of like you don't blow up a local meet, but I think that will come. And I think his total will be monstrous as well. Um, Kasim Sand. Done at an international level, a little different when you do it worlds than Asians. Um, so the Asian championship, I'm, I'm sure it's high class, but different quality of lifters can be at worlds. But he's a phenomenal lifter as well. But Kyoda, unlike those two, has some edge to him. And this is where the showdown between you two at Sheffield is going to be interesting for a lot of people tuning in. When I watch Kyoda walk onto the platform holding his belt, then he stops and looks towards the the squat rack and then he puts his belt on and goes and the way he looks the way he presents himself even the way he talks on social media how talks he, too much. you know talks too much. He, you don't like it but i don't like that he talks too much we could talk about that one where's that one video that you that you showed yeah. so the video where? i showed you was um, I, I could pull it up yeah. is it on youtube or instagram uh it's on instagram is it so, in which is it on his Instagram? I'll just send you the post, uh, and you can just uh, watch it in your DMs. Uh, okay, I'll pull it. I'll pull it up um, for us to watch together, and for like obviously everyone else to watch. But while you're doing that, yeah, I like it, sending it to me. Um, the way he looks, his hair, his he's jack, he's crazy jack, just like you. He's a sixty-six. He takes his shirt off, insanely jacked. I think he even did bodybuilding at one point. He's trying to do, trying to do in Japan, popularizing it, speaking English in his videos, doing how-to videos on bench, etc. And um, and he's putting out content like I'm about to show. So let's take a look. Oh, here it is, too. All right. I'm going to uh, pause this for a second here, and I'll do a share screen again. This is the video that he put out in the video that rubbed Penna the wrong way, but, but Penna is a competitor. I'm going to talk about my goal for 2023. Number one, I want to be the 66 kilogram class powerlifting world champion. Number two, I want to break the world record. I made my powerlifting debut in October 2017 and have been naming for the world championship. I participate in World Championship this year. 
and finished the third place. The third place was a not bad result for my first appearance, but I seriously aiming to become the world champion. It is frustrating to me that I couldn't achieve that. I will challenge again to make sure that I win the world championship. In March, I will be world record holder at the Sheffield. In June, I will become a world champion at the World Classic. I'm seriously aiming for it. And I'm living to make this come true. Keep your eyes on me. I will make it. Thank you. Okay. So, for me, I see a confident young man whom he's struggling with his English and put out English content regardless, which I respect. Like, th yeah, that was 100%. difficult. Like, yeah, that was difficult for him. So, uh, hats off to him. I know he's... Here's what I do. Like, he's trying, and the sport needs someone who tries. And this guy is like, I'm going to make bold claims. I'm learning English and I'm pushing. And um, so and I know you respect that part, but the part that rubs you the wrong way is you guys have the exact same goals and only one is going to be able to take it. But he is like you in terms of saying, I'm going to be a champion. I'm going to be this. I'm going to be that. The problem is when other 66s hear you say it, I wonder if they feel the same way. Like, what are your thoughts with all this? So like, like you said, first and foremost, I really want to uh, like throw my hat to him because it's not easy um to try to do try to try to make things different in your country because i've been there and i'm still i'm there actually and so yeah i respect that also english he doesn't speak english so for him to make a whole video on it in english is is like something like you have to respect um and i respect what he does like i said i respect him as an athlete as a human being obviously um and i respect what he's trying to to accomplish in his in his own home country uh in japan now um, to set the record straight, um, what rubbed me the wrong way on that video was too much talk. Um, I, I believe it's something to say you're going to win a competition close to a comp, like six weeks out, like I have in your podcast, because why is that? Because my mentality and my training are reflecting the possibility for me to win. It's not something like I'm going to beat Tyler Atwood. You know what I mean? For me to for for him to say that at that moment because I think he posted that uh, a while ago like uh, December maybe? I think it was December yeah. 2022. Yeah, can you imagine that in December? So it was like over two months out from Sheffield, over six months out from Worlds, and he says I'm going to win Worlds. So for me, it's like a, 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 a little kid saying I'm going to be the next Messi or the next Ronaldo. That doesn't happen like that. So. What's rubbed me the wrong way is when you claim you, I'm going to be the world champion, when you claim I'm going to break the world record at Sheffield, whatever, those claims have to be backed up. And if you don't back up those claims, that looks bad. And the reason why that rubbed me the wrong way was, man, you're not even close to Sheffield. You're not even close to Worlds. And you say those things. And I feel, I feel that it's disrespectful to those achievements. Because if everybody can come up and be like, yeah, I'm going to be the next thing, this and that, then those things don't have any value. When, when something has a lot of value, it's really, really, really hard to accomplish. 
and not saying Kyoda didn't come at Worlds with the best intentions to win and etc. But then if he posts that two weeks out, six weeks out from Worlds, and he's like, I'm a machine right now. I'm on a mission. I'm going to win. I respect that. You're going against me. You're wanting what I want. We'll, we'll clash at some point, but I respect that. Now, if you show that, if you if you post that video out of the blue, nobody expects it. You're not into your best training sessions. You're not. It just looks dumb. So that's why it rubbed me the wrong way. It's because I felt that it was just like doing a, his list to Santa Claus, right? So I'm going to break the world record at Sheffield, and then I'm going to become the world champion, and this and that. So that's why I say I think he talks too much. Um, now. Uh, like I said, uh, that doesn't change the respect that I have for him as an athlete, as a competitor, as a human being. Uh, I just believe he talks too much on social media about the stuff that he wants to accomplish. Did it help light a fire under you, knowing oh, yeah, he's yeah. going to be in their oh, world? Yeah. Oh, yeah. 100%. 100%. Like, you know, um, so I wanted to comment on that post. I didn't because I'm like, okay, we have that language barrier. Maybe he'll he won't understand exactly what I mean by that. So what I wanted to comment under that post was every other 66 in the kilo in the world is now looking at you. Meaning you talked a lot. Now you have to back that up. Um, so yeah, so it, it really fired me up. Um, it fired me up 100% to be against him, which is good, right? Uh, we have to have those rivalries in sport. And, um, and actually what was funny was we ended up squatting the same I just ended up benching 2.5 above him. And then, you know, obviously on deadlifts, um, that played out a little differently. But yeah, but um, I think he's a, he's a really, really strong competitor. Now, if you ask me one single competitor to compete with at Sheffield, I would probably pick Brian. Now, Kyoda is already there, and I think it will be a fantastic matchup. Like I said, I do believe that my preparation by Sheffield will be even better than the one at Worlds. Um, which makes me believe that it won't be that close, but I hope it is uh, because, again, I don't want to win uh, when it's easy. I want to win against the best of the best, and um, it's undeniable that Kyoda is one of the best 66s in the world. He, yeah, he's done 710. Yeah. Was it not no, 710? For, for me, it doesn't count. Like, when I saw that 710, I was like, that doesn't count. By a lot of why did you think that? By a lot of standards. So first, his squat end up position for me, it's a no lift. Like if you watch me bomb out at Euros, if you watch his third squat, his third squat, he's extremely hunched over. If the rule is you have to be locked out at the beginning and at the end of the squat, that third squat should be a no lift for... And he actually got one red for that reason. Um, so for me, there's that. Um, then I think... He did bench on uh, the old Helico bench, not the new one at, he, um, at his nationals when he did that uh, 7, 10 plus total, uh, which is not the same. It's harder to bench on the new Helico than the old one. And also his deadlift was the same um, that, than the one that he put up at Worlds, which got um, no lifts uh, by the refs and or the jury. So for me, when I saw that total, I was like, not going to happen at an international meet with the highest standards like Waltz, for sure, 100%. And for anyone listening, I could back up the fact that, because um, at Sheffield we talked about it, and you said that, because uh, I was bringing it up, and you were like, 
no, it won't pass. And I was like, well, you never know. And you're like, no, man, I don't think so. And, um, and you were, you, you're not just saying this after when, when his lifts didn't pass, like his deadlifts weren't passing you, I could back up. You said this months ago, he's going to struggle at him at the world level with it. Now he has and, struggled and, with it. And honestly, I, I'm not taking anything away from him. Like I said, I've struggled with standards in the past myself and maybe I will in the future. Right. But it's just that at some point you have to look at yourself in the mirror and be like, okay, my squad doesn't pass. I need to make technical changes. And like I said, I used to, uh, I squatted in comp. Uh, I think my best squat at 66 is 252.5. My best squat a little above 66 is 260 something. Um, so at Worlds, I squatted less than my best squat. But why is that? Is because I had to make the proper adjustments in order to make sure that my squat would pass at Worlds. So I'm not throwing shit at him being like, oh no, he doesn't know how to train or whatever. No, it's definitely not that. It's more so that when you do those controversial techniques, squats, calls, whatever, at some point you're going to get got up for it. And for now, at least, I didn't see anything from him um, that leads me to believe that he'll make the proper changes. Now, maybe he will, and I, I'm hoping he will, uh, but that hasn't changed since his nationals, hasn't changed since Sheffield, hasn't changed since Worlds. So that's why I believe um, he'll probably have problems again at Sheffield if that doesn't change. If he, because what happened at Worlds for sure is going to sting the hardest for him. Nationals, he got away with it. It matter, as a matter of fact, it probably reinforces his belief he's doing the right thing. Sheffield 100%. stung. Sheffield stung, but he was missing lifts. So it's yeah. a little different. He didn't actually get stung by it. He missed lifts, became a moot point. He didn't get that far. Now, Worlds. Worlds, he was stung and stunned and actually couldn't believe he's getting whites. The crowd knew. People talking about afterwards knew and no one was saying, you know, with all the controversial calls that happened in sports and in powerlifting our sport, nobody was saying Kyoto got robbed. People were talking about Atwood's third squad or what have you, but nobody was saying Kyoto got robbed. So he's going to go back and he's going to look around big. Like, nobody's saying that. What if he levels up from this and heading into Sheffield, he's like, I need to lock out my, my deadlifts. I need to do the proper adjustments. And all of a sudden, the 710's validated. Yeah. What 100%. would you say to that? 100%. I think that's completely possible. Uh, now, obviously, he'll have to make adjustments on his squad and he's dead. And then that would take time. Now, Sheffield is like six something months out. So he probably has the time to make the adjustments. Um, will he do it? That's the question I don't have the answer to. Um, if he does it, 100%. I think, um, like I said, he's currently with those. Um, little failures he's still one of the best in the world um so if he makes the proper adjustments he'll be a fierce competitor that's for sure will it be enough like i said i don't think so what about so because because in terms of sheffield and you two in videos and in interviews i got a feeling this is going to be the best possible match you say you say brian lee you say Brian Lee, okay, throw Brian Lee in there, but it's going to be Kyoto and you going yeah. back and forth. But, but was, really, was he really motivated? Go, go ahead. I really hope he doesn't get rubbed the wrong way by it because, like I said, uh, I'm just trying to state the objective facts and uh, I, I really respect him as an athlete and as a person um, and as a competitor. Um, but yeah, so uh, if, if that's a lineup and that's the storyline, then let's have it.
Is, is he your new Joe Jordan? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 He's. I need my Joe Jordan. I need my. Uh, I need my guy that I. Uh, that like that itches me when I look at him or when I when I see his posts. So uh, he might be my. He might be my new Joe Jordan. What would happen if you didn't have? Um, no, you need you. What's that? Sorry. You, you you need your Joe Jordan. You need that that competitor that will force you to. Uh, no, that, that will force it out of you. Wow. Okay. So you think, um, will you force it in your own head or will you actually put them in a position where they're going to feel that and be pushing it back? And can you sense who that person might be? What do you mean? Sorry, I didn't get that. Like, for instance, like, are you saying you'll you'll be looking amongst the contenders and you could kind of find who you feel this person has those like like just like George Jordan, just like uh Kyoto, they're talking bold. And yeah, you're yeah. like, this is the guy. He's an alpha, I'm an alpha. They're all you're all alphas, but he's talking like an alpha. That uh, there can't be two alphas. If we're in the same room and it becomes okay, well, I kind of I kind of like this. And you're, that makes you rise. And all of a sudden you're in training like, oh, this guy thinks it's him. I don't know, because uh, Kasim sent uh, prior to Worlds, um, I thought he was one of the top con contenders at this year. So obviously it's not because he didn't make it uh, in 2023 that he won't be a top contender in the coming years because like I, I finished fifth at in 2022 and I came back to become world champ, right? So I think Kasim sent uh, hasn't, we, we have to not overlook Kasim Sand. Um, so with Kasim Sand, I talked a little with him in DMs. He doesn't speak that good English either, so it's quite complicated. But we both really like um, a Japanese movie that's called Crow Zero. So basically, it's a really simple concept. You have uh, one uh, high school, you have two high schools, um, and the pitch is like one high school, high school hate the other high school, and we, they just have to fight always all the time. Um, and so each high school has his style and his leader, his boss, whatever. And I like, so I use those soundtracks for my training and Kasim's and those also. So at some point we were discussing that and uh, we we're like, yeah, like whose team you want? So he's on the other team as mine. So I really enjoy one high school. He enjoys the other one. So um, at some point there was like a face off of the two bosses of the high schools right before the big, big, big fight of the movie and they stare at each other and they're like, yeah, I'm going to beat your ass and whatever. And uh, at some point, Kasim Sand put that in his stories. And when I saw that, I was like, okay, that's how you're going to play it. And uh, <laughs> so funny. you guys were cool until he did that. And you're like, yeah. Okay, and I was like, okay, I was like, right. okay. And then from the moment he put that in his stories, I used that music that soundtrack in training. And whenever it was playing out, I was thinking of him. I was like, that's what we're going to get. But it wasn't the same confrontation I had with Kyoda because like Kasim San like, didn't say anything crazy, but I was more so, okay, you want to be that guy, but I also want to be that guy. So one of us has to not be that guy this year, at least. So when I saw him at Worlds, I told him, you know what, what would be funny if we do a face-off just like they did in the movie. And I post that in the story. I tag you, you repost it. And we kind of create some hype. 
And uh, he was like, yeah, 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 let's do this. Let's do this. He was hyped. So, you know, it's not whenever somebody wants to win, whenever somebody wants to beat me, I'm like, ah, oh, I, I kind of don't like that guy. It's more so with the way they behave in general. And Kasim Sand, I feel like um, he believed he was good enough to win. Maybe not being sick and, and, and everything, but, but prior to that. But he didn't make any bold claims out of the blue, out of nowhere. And I believe that Joe Jordan's claims were bold out of the blue, out of nowhere, because he only had one good national meet. And then from that meet, he was like, I'm going to win Worlds. Nobody's on my level, et cetera, et cetera. And then Kyoda uh, did that video we just saw um, six months out, eight months out from everything, like I'm going to be world champ, I'm going to be world record holder at Sheffield or whatever. So it's more so when people do bold claims that aren't backed up by anything that I'm like, yeah, I don't like that. Mm. It does make for um, amazing. Like this is perfect for Sheffield. Yeah. It's going to be, it's going to, it's going to be great. And hopefully Kyoto, cause Kyoto's got strong strength. If he can yeah. just work on his world level standard, like you did for 2022 and then coming into 2023, it's a how you like me now moment. And he's got time. He's got a lot of time to work on this. I would be glad. If he brings, him, if he brings himself up, um, you guys might have an epic clash. 700 kilos and up, both you fellas are capable of, of amazing totals. Pushing each other to the brink um, and the videos and the interviews and everything leading up to it and then the performance on the day would be epic. And you guys could both go over the world record. And um, honestly, I would time. be glad. I would be glad to have the best fight with him. Um, so let's see. Let's see. Uh, but then, yeah. yeah, by then, um, he has to um, not just talk the talk, but also walk the walk. And I think uh, he hasn't done that yet. So hopefully he does uh, at Sheffield and we have an epic showdown. And, uh, and yeah, like I said, the strongest in the world win, we will win on that day. I was the strongest in the world um, on the 12th of June. I became world champ. That title isn't, it's earned every single time I step on the platform with direct competi competitors with me. So um, yeah, let's put the strongest 66 kilo lifter in the world uh, title back on the line at Sheffield with Kyoda, maybe Brian. Uh, we'll see what uh, SBD has in, uh, has in plan. And um like you say, uh, I just can't wait for Sheffield to happen. That would be insane. What is the six-six kilo class with Kasim Sand going to be? He's he's not going to be hurt and injured forever. He's going to be back at it. Yeah, Kasim yeah. Sand at full power. Kasim Sand. He already did seven ten and up official IPF world record. So legit. Um, so full power Kasim Sand, full power Brian Lee, who's going to lick his wounds and reevaluate, and then full power Kyoda, who's going to adjust to world standards, and then obviously full power Pena. Is this the hottest? What are we talking about? Is this the hottest division in powerlifting? What is this? And, and, and so it's global. It's it's an American, yeah, uh, European, yeah. two Asians. It's you know it's a it's global as well, which is amazing. I'm glad, man. Like before that, the 66s were really not a hype weight class, and now it it's becoming a hype weight class. So yeah, I'm just uh, I'm just glad, and um, they push me uh, forward. Um, because I want to be the best and they also want to be the best. And so, uh, so, you know, what's funny was 
when I was looking at Brian Lee's deadlift, so I think a week out he, he posted, or some days out, can't remember, he posted like a 315 deadlift, like I'm back, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, I wasn't like, oh, shaking. I was like, oh, yeah. Like, again, <laughs> I, I want to be the best against the best. Like, if, you, if you're the best against people that are way weaker than you, it's obviously you're the best, but it doesn't have the same taste, the same flavor. So uh, I'm just really grateful to have um, those competitors with me at that moment. And, um, and yeah, I'm just glad to be a mix, part of the mix, and, uh, and to have shown them if some of them have maybe uh, disrespected my status or what I'm capable of at Worlds 2023, uh, to show them, yeah, you might want to count me in. You might not want to overlook me either because I'm here for a moment and um, I don't plan on uh, stopping or uh, I don't plan on, uh, yeah, I plan on uh, moving forward again, just getting better. You said previously in 2021 when you won Worlds, you're like, I think they've seen me as a vulnerable champion. Yeah. What do you 100%. think they look at you now? Do you think they still think that or? No, no, no. I don't, I don't think you can right now. I think uh, right now I'm the undisputed 66 kilo champ. I do believe I'm the undisputed right now. Again, like I said, um, it will be back on the line at Sheffield, it will be back on the line at Worlds in 2024. And it's not that, yeah, I'm the best now, always, forever. For instance, Taylor lost his title. And Taylor is the most unbeatable guy ever. But he lost. Um, for whatever reasons, right? Just, he still lost. That's the same result. So if Taylor, like, I'm the biggest fanboy, Taylor Atwood fanboy you'll ever find, right? If even Taylor Atwood lost, everybody can lose. Everybody can lose. So I'm definitely not considering myself above the rest of the pack. Uh, I consider myself in the mix, like I said, for the best 66 kilo lifter in the world. I came on top to, in 2023, might not come on top in Sheffield or by Worlds 2024. And the only way I do so is if I just keep on going, if I just keep on working smart, hard, and I just give my absolute best to the sport. So uh, that's how I view things. And uh, to the other 66s kilo lifters in the world, could be those three we mentioned, Brian, Kyoda, uh, Kasemsand, or somebody else that will come up. I expect nothing else from our weight class. And it's our job to make it shine at the brightest stage so uh we still have some uh some runs to go in the past glackick one two okapoko one two i don't think we've had too many multiple champions now we've had you um what do you have to do to establish yourself as the best of all time 66 how close are you are we talking one more title so you're the only one who won three are we talking you need four you also have sheffield which is a, it's as big a show as you have. And that's that's got to stand for something as well. You also have European titles. What what do we what do you think you have to do to establish yourself as a resume being, or do you need the world record as well? Do you need to be like, you know what, I've won world titles. I need the world record as well. What what are we looking at here? Because you're starting to build a resume. So in 2021, I will I won all of the titles uh, that I could. 
so national, European, and worlds. Um, in 2022, I lost all of them. Couldn't compete at nationals because of my clavicle sprain. Uh, finished fifth at worlds and also uh, bummed out of Euros. So 2021, I won everything. 2022, I lost everything. A while back, maybe maybe right after my uh, qualifier meet, so maybe 10, 10 to 12 weeks out from Worlds, I said in a video, my goal for 2023 is to reclaim all of those titles. And we start with a world title on the line, which is the toughest to get, right? So right now, this year, my mission is simple. Um, reclaim all of the titles. So Worlds, National, European. Then obviously Sheffield, and after that Worlds. I believe if I do that, um, to 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 that date, I'm the best 66 kilo lifter in history. To that date, the thing with powerlifting is that it's a sport that knew that a lot of top level athletes are going to come within months. You know what I mean? Like for instance, four years ago, Tiff wasn't even powerlifting. And now she's probably the best 47 kilo female lifter in history and one of the best of the best. You can say that now. No, three world titles, the yeah. world record, like it's it's her now. She's the GOAT. Is she not? She she's the GOAT. Yeah. But I think that's safe know. to say. We we paid enough respect to past history yeah, with yeah. Heather and, and we held on, but I, I think TF has done that. Yeah. But then Maybe in three years from now, from now, Tiff will be in the mix for a podium spot. And now the the era where Tiff was the GOAT is now debatable. And I like that. It's because nothing is granted. Nothing is given to you. You have to earn it every single year. And I'm okay with that. Um, I don't care about you having won eight world titles when winning a world title wasn't as close as how competitive it is nowadays. For me, if you won world titles with 670 in the 66s, that's a good world title back then. Doesn't have a lot of value right now. So, you know, honestly, I, I don't even have this the answer myself to that. Um, my plan is to just give my best every year, compete at the highest level every year. And when I'm done competing, Let's take a look back at my achievements and from there uh, we'll have an idea of where I rank amongst the uh, best lifters of my weight class uh, in the IPF history. I think a huge thing that's going to help you in terms of measuring greatness, a lot of it is like impact, impact on the sport, impact on the culture, impact on did you help move things along forward. When people think of certain champions, even if they're dominant, but impact might not be as big sometimes because they come from a nation where there's so many other world champions already. So you're part of a big mix. Sometimes you didn't impact, like you're not a coach. You didn't bring up other world champions or you're not meet the records. You're not like if we, if we, there's a lot of world champions like that. One thing that you have is your impact is it's undeniable. I've had people try to tell me it's not just Penna. In France, well, no shit. It takes it takes a village, right? I get, I got you, but you were the first to come through. Your you came as a coach. You've made world champions, meet director. Nobody can deny what you've done with Silent Worker, multiple time world champion. No one can deny what you've done on social media. It's been incredible. It's been insane. Um, now you're SBD France. 
your Anissa, your fiance is working with the Federation and you guys are like holding money meets with silent worker, giving away checks. You guys are sponsoring athletes. It's your impact is insane that you, that you've done. And, and now, and you work with social media influencers from all, like all over in France. Like it is insane what you guys are accomplishing your impact. Like if it stops now, here's one thing that I'm going to, if it stops now and everybody looks at your totals and they're like, well, five years from now, 66 is all seven fifty and up, but nobody's going to have the same impact and footprint that you did. It's, it's freaking insane what you've done. That's something that can always be, you have an era. You've created, you've created an era with you and your crew. And when, and for, for, I think it's gone beyond France. I think when people think about this era, they're going to think about you. Honestly, coming from me, it really means a lot. And, you know, um, I, um, I, I don't really acknowledge um, the impact that I have um, because I just feel that I'm, I'm just a guy practicing my sports, uh, the sport that I love. And because I love that sport, I just want to give it as much as I can. And um, like, like you mentioned earlier, uh, I said, powerlifting is how I express myself. And more so, um, powerlifting has become a part of me. And, um, and I want to treat it with the utmost respect and care. So that's why I'm trying to, uh, to help out as much as I can and everywhere. So like you say, uh, hosting meets, organizing events, um, coaching, um, developing the sport in social media, YouTube, Instagram, TikTok, whatever, and helping that sport grow and reach a bigger audience. Because at the end of the day, if you really love something, you have to, you have to give it your best. And uh, I give it my best by competing, obviously, but with everything else. Um, so yeah, so, but now I, I cannot sit here and be like yeah I, I made all of that because i didn't um i feel that it's a really uh it's really more so a um a reunion of elements a reunion of people um like for instance if the french federation wouldn't exist i wouldn't be even here talking with you so uh i owe that also to a lot of people so yeah definitely i'm, I'm not it's not just penning friends that's for sure uh but yeah but i'm i'm definitely trying my best um to help out as much as i can uh to help the sport grow because that's my sport that's the sport i love and um i just want to give it my uh, my best and that's something we we talk about when we meet always in person it's like no matter when when it ends i just want to be able to look back and be like that was insane. That was amazing. Those <laughs> already done, dude. Dude, it's yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, I know it's not just you, but I can't picture if for the last few years we took you, you never existed. You never started following my T, taking those online classes, bringing over coaching. You never, like initially, when it was you, Noemi, and Leah, and then you know Turbo Tiff or yourself winning worlds and all the social media impact, and you ne that never happened. Silent Worker, as big as it is now, even sponsoring the Federation, never happened. SPD France being run by you guys, you, Tiff, Leah, Anissa. Anissa's with you. It never happened. You and Anissa did something else. Coco, with you, dog. They, they came up through you. That never happened. None of that. Take it all away. Let's find another. Let's find. Dog. Okay, I got you. Maybe France would have done something. 
it would be very difficult. Even just what you did is going to have rumblings. All these social media people that are working with you now because you are who you are and what they bring in, you know, the, the amount of memberships and whatnot is grown so crazy. And we know the popularity in a, in it obviously has to do with social media as well. If all, I just take that, snap my fingers, Dr. Strange style, and they, you guys lose Penna. You just lose Penna. You lose everything Penna's done, everything he's touched. Everybody's brought in, everybody's set up, every, all of this. Even, even those who are in France that rumble against want to be punk rock and, and push against because you're too big. You know, they're like, fuck Penna, fuck something because he's too big. He's getting too much credit. You still motivate them. You still make them click up and start being like, you know, it's the it's the pushback. E, e, none of that would happen to you. None of none of that would even happen, Pena. You like none of your impact would have happened if I just say well, I'm taking Pena away. That never happened. It's hard for me to picture it being the same in France. I'm just saying <laughs> it'd be difficult, yeah, man. Like, it, it really means a lot coming from you uh, because you're as passionate about the sport as I am. So uh, having that that opinion really means a lot. Um, so thank you. But yeah, uh, it's it's hard to acknowledge myself. Uh, and, you know, I, I also believe that when you think you've accomplished a lot, that's where you start to slow down. And uh, I don't want to slow down. Um, I want to keep pushing. So, uh, yeah, I'm, tr I'm um, trying to not look at what I'm, what I've built or helped build and uh, being, uh, staying an actor of, uh, of it. And be like, okay, he's doing something over here, over there. They're doing something something over here, and let me try to do something over there to try to help it out. So, uh, and and I'm I'm really fortunate to have found the people that I've I've found, whether it be my friends, my family. Obviously, not mentioning my fiance Anissa, without whom a lot of that wouldn't happen. Um, but also, um, like every people part of of the French Federation, like. The president, the vice president, the coaches, uh, Cyril, the French coach, um, the, um, the our media boy, um, Flo. Uh, yeah, uh, that's and and you know what I said after I won. It's it's not my victory. It's our victory. I feel that it's a shared one. You gave a, you gave a speech in the burger joint. And you said yeah. that you were like, hang on, I'm going to give a speech. And you stood up and it was a good one, man. I know little pieces of French and I could pick it, but it's true, man. I'm you 100%. You just surround yourself with the right people, man. Yeah. You know, from Anissa to I've always had, like, if you ask me about biggest strength, I feel that it's finding the right people to associate with because and hanging on to it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You don't let it slip. You're good at like, you keep in touch. Like you shoot me messages. You, you like, I know like on my end, you know, like don't let it slip, man. You find a good solid person. That's keep it. in touch. Yeah. You know, it's the world is a scary place when you're isolated and it's scary too. Some people hold each other close. Not even like you're holding the wrong people close. If you yeah. find solid people, keep them close. Trust me. Everything is easier. Doors open and you work together. And you know what? Um, so I did Worlds in 2019. And Worlds in 2021, my team came, my friends, family, training partners. 
well, well not family, but you know, I consider my family. So when I say family, it's in that sense, right? They came in 2021. That that wasn't the same. That wasn't the same. When you're alone in a broad country, you don't know nothing, and you're alone, that's that's tough, that's rough. When you're there with your team, you're at home. And uh, 2023, same. A lot of the team showed up. My dad showed up. I was at home. It wasn't, um, where was it? Malta. It wasn't Malta. It was home. Mm. And that changes. So if there is an, an advice I can give to people competing internationally, bring your friends. It's not the same after that. It's home. It's true. I, I was so comfortable in Malta because in that hotel lobby every day, yeah, every, day yeah, you know every everybody. night, yeah. you know everybody. I was down there all the time. Like I'm comfortable right now. I can. I'm maxed out on the couch, just chilling. You That's know, it. whoever anyone th anyone walks in, you're just talking to them. It's like this is it, man. This these yeah, are my we people. We got our rooms. We, we could just be staying in our rooms. Nobody was staying in their room. Everybody was in the lobby. Everybody was trying to catch somebody up. That's it. That's. Um, it's not the same. It's you're not in the same mentality. And uh, yeah, like like I told you, I, I feel that my biggest strength is um, finding the right people around me. And uh, yeah, hopefully, uh, doing things right to keep them with me. But yeah, you know what hurt me one time? We we're in a hotel lobby. Where, like hit me right in the heart. Is um, like you start getting close to everybody. You get close and you start feeling like um, you can't take for granted that someone's going to be there because some people are going through nationals and they might not just make it. Kafui was at every single world since 2019 and he didn't make this one by like six kilos at nationals. And he's he's got to fight to come back. And, you know, maybe he does, maybe he doesn't. Um, you know, it, it going these Americans, more people from USAPL are coming over and you don't know who's going to make it, who's not. Every year, every time you're in that lobby, you can't take for granted you're going to see the same crew. That cycle comes over. I can't tell you how many new faces I've seen since I've done this since 2016. It was Brett Gibbs and John Hack. I don't take for granted the same people are going to be in a lobby there with me. And after the 93s, we stayed up late and we're all like talking, whatever. And Gavin is in the lobby and he's there with um he's there with his family, his mom, his dad, Mike C, who's the American coach, is telling him like keep your head up. You know, you got it. You got a lot of character, whatever. And then um, Mike C left. And then each one of his his siblings came over and said bye. Then his mom, his dad came over and they all one by one were telling Gavin goodbye. Right. And they were going off there because we're staying up late. This is what we do. And I, I just I keep hanging because I whatever. I don't sleep. So then everyone and then at the end, it was just me and Gavin. And he stood up and he looked at me. He's like, fuck, man. I just hate that. I keep disappointing you. And I was like, that hurt me for him to say that. And I was like, dog, you've never disappointed me. You know, like that hurt me for him to say that. I was like, dog, you don't disappoint me, man. You know what? Um, now I get that because I have the, I have both sides. Um, I try to compete at the highest level. And um, I felt that in 2022, I disappointed some people. And then, for instance, Gavin is our guy. Gavin is our boy. And uh, I watched him compete and he didn't win. Uh, he didn't podium. And I wasn't disappointed. I was sorry for him, but I wasn't disappointed. I was feeling bad for him because I know uh, what he's going through right now, uh, like the emotions and everything. But I wasn't disappointing. 
Uh, disappointed, sorry. So um, I get what you're saying when you say, hey, man, you didn't disappoint me. You didn't. And I also get when he said to you, sorry for disappointing you. Um, but you know what? I, I feel that strength isn't winning or podiuming at Worlds or whatever. Strength is putting everything you have in your might um, to get to a place where you think you'll have, you'll find happiness, you'll find um, a sense of um, self-care and self-love, giving your it your absolute best shot against obstacles, against um, other people, other competitors, and accepting the result. That's strength. So mm. you give it your best, you, you place fifth, heads up, keep your chest up. You did amazing. You didn't win. You did everything you could. That's good enough for me. And if that best you have is good enough to win and to give you the first place, the world title, whatever, obviously that's the biggest story and that's the most beautiful story. But the, the outcome, for me, the result is less than the process. The process is everything. And again, if I didn't win this year at Worlds by giving it my absolute best, so let's say I do 705. I do my, let's say I don't deadlift 292.5 for my third. I, I lower to 287.5 in order to make the biggest total possible. So 707.5, which is reasonable, right? Let's say Brian makes his deadlift. Let's say Kyoda makes his deadlift and they, one of them or both out total me. I still did the same total that I would have by winning. It's just that now I'm not the world champ. And obviously people would maybe care less about that story if I didn't become the champ. But the process is the same. I'm the same dude. I'm the same guy. I gave it my absolute best. My preparation was good. My mental state was good. And that's it. So I get that you may be disappointed by your own performance. But if deep down in your heart, in your heart you feel that you gave it everything you have, just let it go. That's it. You show your you disappoint me if you show your character and it's it's anything less than what you would want somebody to 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 hold themselves with. Like you see <laughs> that some people win and have low character. Some people lose yeah, yeah, yeah. and then they show their low character. You show character out there and you show guts, determination. You handle it. You battle back from adversity and you. That's how it works, man. That's how you keep your chest up, man. A sport is a sport. You know, like that's what it is. Sometimes it'll help you reveal your character. It'll help you express your character. That's good. All right, fine. But that's not the end all be all. You know what I mean? Like, I'm like, Gavin, you know, like that's not, that ain't it, man. There are people that are winning that like, in whatever, they don't have the same character as you. I would never want, you would, you shouldn't want to swap shoes with them. It's an opportunity to show. And, and kind of like you said, wherever the chips fall, when you're showing cool, it is what it is. You miss lift, you come back. You know, you get your squat overturned, you come back. And then he got, he matched his bench PR and got a bench medal and he's on the podium. He's like, I haven't hit that bench. That was a, I matched a bench PR from two years ago. That's it. That's character, kid. And you see this through, even on your worst day. That's what it's all about, man. And then eventually the stars align. If you win, you win, whatever, man. I don't know. Yeah. But anyways, was... yeah. But anyways, sir, listen, I know we're pushing three o'clock in the morning over there in Paris. 
Um, as and and you haven't slept, and I haven't slept long enough that I got sick. But we had to. You had to be the first dude that I had on this podcast. Um, your story is absolutely amazing. I, I did this one before we even did the world's recap. Like you doing the world's recap first? The re- no, it's going to be Penna first. I got to get Penna, and we have to talk about Penna's story. It's been it's been phenomenal, man. I've done this. I've been doing this for years. Long before commentating, I was in powerlifting since 2008, and I've never had a story like this. It's freaking, it's crazy, man. And, and unfold in front of social media, in front of everyone's eyes. Someone might come on and tell and say, let me tell you what my story was. Got you. People real time saw, saw 2022 in real time, seeing the podcast you revealing for the first time, what was going on with your dad in, in real time, seeing all that. And then real time, watch the live stream. And now here we are. Like it, I've never had that where people actually came along your journey with you. And that's a beautiful thing that like people don't remember everything. They won't, re- they won't even remember your numbers, Penny. It doesn't matter if someone beats your numbers five years from now. They just remember how you made them feel when you, and they'll remember you won. And they'll remember this, man. This was a special moment that happened. Whoever was around during this, listening to all the podcasts, watching all the streams and following all the social media to this point is not going to forget this. Um, so you were going to be the first one I had on this podcast. It was only right. And obviously we're going to do more podcasts and whatnot, but I appreciate you, my dude. Um, fucking you were talking about family dog. I love you like a brother. I can't wait to see you in two weeks. We'll hang out again. We'll do it. We'll do it all over again. We'll have some more sleepless nights. Let's hope we get some sleep in before I see you in two weeks. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, we have to. And honestly, thank you for, from the bottom of my heart. Um, like I said, um, I didn't open up to anybody about it prior to having that conversation with you. And um, I maybe wouldn't have if I didn't have that conversation with you about that moment. Um, so, yeah, it's it's not a podcast. It's a conversation uh, with, uh, with a friend, with a true friend. And uh, I, I really care a lot about you and what you do also for our sport. And... Uh, yeah, just want to say thank you. And also, I really want to thank everybody that has followed uh, my journey to here. Um, you saw me fall, um, and now you you see me back on top. So if I made it happen, everybody can. So if you're not where you want to be, if you're not in a happy place, uh, stay strong, hang in there, keep working towards what it is you want to do, you want to accomplish. And eventually, hopefully, at some point, it will happen. But one thing is for sure, it won't happen if you don't give it your best every day, always, all the time. So then it's just up to you. Dog, I, I'm not joking. I'm, I'm going to end it right now. I'm not going to carry on for another half hour. We're ending it. But I'll just say, some stories make you believe anything's possible. Some stories are like, this is crazy. And I, I kid you not, after you, before and after people like the stars aligned, yeah, this is going to happen. And they just started believing, even though all indications were this isn't going to happen. <clears throat> and then afterwards, people like that just had to happen. It was just destiny, man. And um, yeah, it was. It's a beautiful story, dude. I'm I'm going to keep it. someday. You got to write a book. These podcasts ain't going <laughs> to do it justice. You got to write a book, and I'm going to buy the shit out of it. Leah Babo made a book. You need to you need <laughs> to write a book. 
Make an English copy. I'm I'm buying it and, and I'm reading it, man. But you got more story to tell. See, that's the thing. Leah wrote a book a little early. She's now regained her title. She's got a showdown coming up. But um, but anyways, all right, my dude. I'm gonna let you go. Get some sleep. I'm gonna get some sleep, and I'll see you in a. I'll see you in like I don't know. Ten days, man. Days, nine days. Ten whatever. days. All get right, ready. man. Six pack lap it at six up, and we are out.